0: This is the Chris Cast. So, Lachlan, have you heard of Dankmas? I have not heard of Dankmas until uh, you
1: just told me about it. Yeah, this is the first time we've talked about this as we've been heard rehearsed bit that we've tried three times before. But yeah. Dankmas was introduced to me by a friend, I think, two summers ago, and it's basically some guy who just takes, like, random Simpsons lines and turns them into edm songs or dance songs okay you think off the top of your head like oh this is gonna be stupid like it's gonna be crap but i'm gonna share with you my favorite one because it is so funny and so stupid and it's really just incredible can you hear that
0: sure can it was the best of times it was the blurst of times it was the best it was the best (laughs) (laughs) was It was the It was the best This is incredible. <laughs> yeah, so this is like last summer all I was listening to on Spotify. Oh man, we need to get this uh this guy to make us some music. Some uh, some Dankness, but anyway, that's Dankness, in, and it's um incredible.
1: It's honestly so funny to me, and oh yeah, yeah. Like I don't know about you, but over the past couple days, obviously we've seen a lot of news both NHL and in the Canucks world, and I've seen a ton of Simpsons memes made because of it. Like I, yeah. like usually you see a lot because Simpsons like has a very global like reach. Like you can make a meme out of any episode but it feels like lately it's just like any piece of news the first response was like a simpsons meme maybe it's like targeted towards me so like i noticed it more like they they
0: promote the simpsons meme because they're like oh this idiot will like it yeah but there's i I think yeah i think a lot of i think a lot of younger demos thanks to like stuff like disney plus have Mm -hmm. discovered the uh the joy that is like the first like nine, ten seasons of the simpsons that are so good and start to like get the references yeah. um i'll also say like in terms of like you mentioned like the edm the edm remix and everything right like actually like some of the be- uh, some of the best like trap remixes i've ever heard are of like random tv shows are like like <laughs> one of them is like the little einstein's trap remix is really good the crust oh yeah one. i've heard that too yeah yeah there's some good there's some good ones out there like especially like yeah some of the spongebob ones are very <laughs> very are very very uh aw- incredibly awesome some um, people are very talented you know yeah. i've learned this over my 32 years of existence
1: or 31 or whatever yeah. the fuck it is i've people never talented
0: found- i've never been able to find a talent myself but yeah i know it when i home, see but... it maybe i have a talent for seeing other people's talent i don't know <laughs> okay, did, <laughs> you, see, did you see that back. meme
1: there's like this meme the other day I, f- I forgot to send it to you it was sent to me it was like it's like a picture of this girl like passed out or not passed out she's like crying on her couch and it was like the dad taking a picture of her kid, the dad was like, I told her we all are born with a special power, and her special power is she can like fart really loud and she burst out crying that her power was so lame. Oh no. <laughs> so, that's like reminding me, I'm like, what if like our skill isn't able to make uh, EDM dance hits out of dumb quotes from a TV show that aired 25 years ago, but it's like it's a- something really lame? Like, you can sharpen a pencil better than anyone on the planet like something yeah, just like really crappy every, and useless every,
0: yeah that that's that is the world that is the world i choose to live in everyone has a <laughs> special gift it might yours just might be not the most it useful. Just might be
1: really lame it's like a meg griffin and family guy when her special power is she can grow her nails like a bit long and she like scratches <laughs> some random and he's like ow is that bleeding no but ouch though
0: <laughs> that's so true that's a great that's a great bit i love that but uh that yeah yeah,
1: but anyways, folks,
0: that's enough talk
1: about Simpsons and you know, cartoons from I, decades ago, I think. I
0: think I have a way to transition this. I think I have a Do good you? way. It, you know who has a, a, a very specific superpower? Is Brad <laughs> Tree living at turning NH former Vancouver Canucks into Calgary flames? <laughs> you know, I <laughs> I respect the bit. And
1: okay, first off. Welcome everybody. This is episode 161, I think, or 159 of the Crease Cast with me and you. I think. I think, I think with us been, together, something like that. We've been, I think it's we've, doing, we've been at yeah. this a while. I know. Days time just floating. Happy flying, Valentine's man. Day, everybody. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. To from the Crease Cast hearts to yours. Thank you for tuning in. We love you so much. Yeah. And that'll that'll conclude this episode. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> Bye. No. No. Um, but yeah, uh, Man, I, I respect True Living for committing to the bit because obviously after that 2020 season and Calgary went out and acquired Levo, Markström and Taniv, it was just kind of like, oh, and De, Louis Domingue. And it was kind of like, okay, this is this is just kind of funny. Like it's clearly like them trying to reunite the best parts or what they thought were the best parts of the Canucks bubble run and were gonna try and make a run of it for themselves. And then a year later, or two years later, they're back at it again and going for Tyler Tofoli and basically getting rid of nothing to acquire him. And he's on like a good deal for the next couple of years. Like it's a great trade if you're Brad Tree living because you pretty much don't really lose any value. Like if you're really going for it, you ditched your first round. But if you're finishing second or fourth, hopefully, maybe you first like you win the cup, then you've really lost nothing. You traded a prospect that you didn't even draft. It's a guy you acquired for Sam Bennett. Like that's a good that's a good exchange if you're uh, the Calgary Flames. And now I'm just wondering, at what point, Lachlan, does Bradtree Living trade with the Detroit Red Wings for
0: Troy Stetcher? Oh God, don't even oh I, he, that would that would hurt me greatly inside tr- if they did that. Troy uh, is
1: uh, playing tonight, actually, as we record this. He's playing against Minnesota Wild with Detroit. It's his first game back in, I think, two months since he uh, suffered like a wrist injury. So just putting it out there, it would be yeah. really funny if they bolstered their right side of the defense by acquiring Troy Stetcher before the deadline, just yeah. for shits and gigs. You know, that- like, you want to tilt a fan base off the face of the planet you acquire troy stetcher you, before going into playoffs as the canucks are struggling to make it to playoffs
0: yeah yeah it's not even like that they've just been acquiring former canucks it's <laughs> that they're acquiring literally all the favorite players like they're acquiring all the yeah, guys that all everybody the beloved loved ones. like every and then also eric goodbranson <laughs> in there ah, as well oh i think you know, uh, he's like beloved him.
1: for the for the wrong reason they, they he, he's people love good how handsome, because he's he handsome as fuck yeah and like he's very God. attractive but like Agree. Not for the on ice capabilities, even yeah. though like he's like really turned it around under Daryl Sutter. Like he's just like a brand new player. Like his he fits so well into uh, Daryl Sutter's type of hockey. Yeah. Um, but it's it, I'm waiting now at this point for them to hire Travis Green as like an associate coach. God, yeah. Get that Jim guy Benning. working as your line matches or your uh, pregame scouting coach or whatever because. Like for all the complaints of Travis Green this year, like that guy put in work with this group in the bubble and was a big reason why they went as far as they did for his line matching for his deployments. People like he opposed every
0: coach they came up against in that in those playoffs, including the team they lost to, including absolutely yeah Pete DeBoer. Like, yeah, that's and that's incredible. Like the one thing that would uh keep me from thinking, oh, like Troy Stetcher's definitely going to Calgary is like Detroit is surprisingly actually kind of in the playoff race right now. And I don't think like here's the thing. Steve Eiserman is not a guy who's gonna go and be like, ah, oh, one pl- we we have a chance at making the playoffs. It might hurt us in the long run, but we're not going to sell kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Steve Eiserman's not really generally that kind of guy so i wouldn't be surprised if he did sell off assets but at the same time they're 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 7 points out of the playoff out of the playoffs but they're the the first team in front uh behind the wild card teams i wouldn't mm-hmm. be all that surprised if they made a decent run of things in like the later stages and actually got close to making it in so they might not be willing to part with anybody right now especially like they haven't been to the playoffs in quite some time like especially yeah. since they moved into that brand new building that cost them a lot of money to get done yeah. Like they kind of want to fill that place, and I think you're gonna you you might want to just make the playoffs based off that alone. But yeah, looking at Calgary, I mean, the Toffoli trade for them is it, it, first of all, it's a great, of course. Like, how could you not want to make that deal happen, right? Oh, for sure. It's, he's uh, Toffoli is making basically nothing to be one of the best scorers in the NHL, at least for like what he does for his role and for what mm-hmm. he what he costs. What he costs like per goal, essentially, right? Like he's yeah. clearly one of the better contracts in the NHL, and he's performed very well throughout the year, even as the Canadians have really, really struggled around him. We'll <laughs> talk about. We have stuff to talk about the Canadians, like yes. on the yeah. on the as well. Um, But yeah, they didn't give up really anything too crazy. Like even that first round pick that Cal- that Calgary's giving them is a uh, top ten protected. Mm -hmm. Uh, which in a way I'm kind of like, if you're Montreal, like you should just, you should put them to the. To the like put their feet to the fire a little bit on that one. Be like, yeah, look, come on, you get a screaming you, deal here. You you sell them on. Come on, you're not gonna make miss the playoffs, are you? And then and sell them on that, and then make sure that pick isn't to get that pick not lottery protected just in case. Because you just butter their bread a bit, like, oh, you're gonna win. Trust yeah, me. Yeah, like, you totally oh, you're God, totally gonna win. You're a cup contender now. Like, come on, you don't you're not gonna you're not gonna finish out of the playoffs, are you? Like that, you got. <laughs> I I think they could have maybe held their feet to the fire, but it's uh, rookie. GM Ken Hughes, Kent Hughes, he's still he's he's doesn't he's not ready to make enemies yet. I don't think. And
1: and for for Kent Hughes' sake, like it's a good trade on his part. He gets a bunch of in inbound assets. Like it doesn't hurt his team because like how can you hurt a team that's at the bottom and basically needs to cl- like they're in the Canucks situation, right? Like they just have a ton of money. They need to move out. Like as you're talking about beforehand, they have. Eight guys on ir right now and there's something like eight million dollars into ltir with just how many people are out of their lineup like they got to move out cash they under bergevin they signed a lot of guys to like four and five year deals assuming they were gonna i guess continue their run with weber and price uh on the team and of course that that didn't happen
0: yeah and I got them stuck with players like Phil to who they really could have used on a long-term deal, like mm-hmm. losing the hit, losing him. And like the fa- and like, yeah, you mentioned the cap space, like even with Toffoli off of their books, they're still um, paying the most. At cap- they have the highest projected cap hit in the league still just because yeah. of how much is on LTIR right now. So like that's, yeah, they need to, this is one of those trades where, yeah, like there's no, there's no loser here. There's a clear, both teams get exactly what they need which I think, you know, I think in the media we do that a lot, but also like, and as fans as well, like it's that idea of everyone, every trade has a winner or a loser. I don't, I, which I don't think is the way that hockey teams should necessarily operate. You should always be looking for a deal that works out for both parties to, to a sense, right? Where yeah, for sure, both teams get what they want. In this case, Calgary gets a bonafide score to shore their, their team up before uh, an anticipated playoff run. Canadians get the cap space. They get two draft picks out of it. And they get a prospect. They get Tyler Pitlick to kind of just keep uh, an NHL body on the ice at all times. And uh, I think that was also
1: to just make the cash work. I think something along those lines because Calgary's like, pretty. Like, he's a guy that we need to send that way so that the money works out on their end, so they can fit Toffoli in, I right. think was the case. But yeah, long term, like they're they're pretty set. That means like if Johnny Gaudreau wants to walk, then it's like okay, well you just elevate Tyler Tefolian to your first line, and boom, problem solved. That's
0: so gonna at, be a that's going to be a big talking point. I I like going into the season because uh, normally, you know, you don't see a lot of guys leave like mm-hmm. on that UFA deal. Like it's 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 weirdly rare how often we get like the um uh, a big name UFA who actually leaves the team they're currently on, on that through free agency. Like that's such a like it's the NBA. They have that all the time, right? Like yeah. they'll have like their stars just will like okay cool I'm done here I'm going to Cleveland like they just do that, <laughs> um and then like remember the whole Stamkos thing where everyone's like oh where's Stamkos gonna go and then he just ends up back with the Lightning again which was that, the right
1: call that glorious eleven minute period when Steven Stamkos was announced to be signing with uh Tampa Bay and then PK signed his like giant deal in Nashville or whatever or he got traded, traded or whatever he got traded
0: to Nashville uh Taylor Hall got traded to to the devils like that all in like within like half an hour. Yeah. That was, <laughs> that was wild. And then like, yeah, like looking back on it, like John Tavares, when John Tavares left uh, the Islanders to go to the Leafs, like that was like one of the few times ever that you've actually gotten, the guy has actually done it, like actually done the yeah. thing and left because there just usually isn't a whole lot of incentive for them to leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gaudreau might kind of be in that camp as well, just because the flames are doing pretty well. Like they're a decent team it's not like yeah. he's leaving uh he's not like the, it's not like with Tavares where he was leaving a team that clearly had missed the playoffs like eight straight years or like eight out of nine kind of thing something like that
1: yeah and it was a case of like two where like John Tavares like moving to Toronto was kind of like seen like out of nowhere too like because I think yeah. the reason why he's like so loath in on the island now is because like he had told the team like oh yeah I'm gonna resign like don't worry I'm gonna probably resign with you i'm just fielding offers right now and then he left at the very last minute so they couldn't have traded him for like some kind of like sixth round pick like some marginal value or whatever it was Mm -hmm. whereas for goudreau it's kind of like they've been talking about how he wants to go to the states to play like practically since he like had his breakout rookie year yeah. It's like th- it's like the year after they're like, "Oh yeah, we're going to have a couple of good years of good Johnny, but he wants to go back to New Jersey, he wants to play in the states." Like so it just kind of feels see- like it's yeah. going to happen eventually with him.
0: I guess so. They say that about ev- like that happens with every American player. Like nearly yeah, every true. American player gets the that ends up on a Canadian team gets yeah. the oh, but you know, they're just gonna leave to go back over the border the second they get the chance, which usually doesn't which, happen. Like Austin Matthews to Arizona yeah, yeah. is always joking, which the second he with was drafted. news. Yeah, yeah today's we'll news get that one makes too. that even funnier. Uh yeah, um, cause there's that one, there's like <laughs> Austin Rock- Matthews playing in this sold out four thousand person venue. I mean, like, he'll he'll sell it out on comp tickets alone, like family oh. comp tickets like that's oh. Like that. He he probably makes up half their uh, their their revenue each like year when on his family. one game to Toronto. Yeah. like <laughs> or One game with the Leafs to the Coyotes. Right. Arizona. Uh, like, yeah, like that happens to so many like uh, American players. Like there was the talk of like uh, Goudreau wants to go to Philly, like wants to go to mm. Philly because he's I, I think he's from Philly. I think that's his original I think from New Jersey, something like that. He's uh, like some more, like some Eastern, uh, area he's from, you're right. He's from Salem, New Jersey, but there's been like a, some reason there's a link to, to Philly. uh, to Philly rather than the devils for something. Oh, yeah. For some reason, I don't know exactly what that connection Even is. Even
1: New Jersey doesn't want him. Yeah, <laughs> He's too I small
0: mean- for a Jersey. He joy easy, exactly. But like, um, even with like Philly, like why would like I don't think he's going to why would you choose the Flyers in the way that they are right now yeah, over no. the Calgary Flames? You wouldn't. Like you just wouldn't, unless you're going you for very much wanna... of the
1: Wait, where are they in the standings right now? Hold on. The Flyers, like, oh, they're near oh, the bottom, aren't they? They're, they're right above uh Montreal. Jeez, yeah it's been a very
0: it's been a very very bad year I mean Claude Giroux is supposed to get traded probably before the deadline because his contract I believe is also up at the end of the season he's gonna uh, pull
1: it John Tavares for sure maybe
0: oh god is that you're in here wait are we like a uh, Claude Giroux for Johnny Gaudreau do they trade one pending UFA for another and then on the on like the condition that they that they're both like signing extensions with the new team kind of thing like oh, better yet uh sign and trade
1: <laughs> the vegas golden knights
0: uh somehow trade for oh god Giroux. no oh god like we've put <laughs> half the team on put... we, we're gonna play three on three we're gonna play three yeah. players all year like against five on three all year it's just gonna be eichel they're Giroux, gonna play and gonna play so.
1: forwards and 4d for the entire into- <laughs> and no backup goalie and, and then so some, and somehow they'll weird. still
0: just win the Pacific division. Like they'll still win it. Like because <laughs> then, no one then else lose, is close.
1: And they get swept in the final and be like, damn it.
0: We're so uh, close. You know what we Fucked need to do that even more? <laughs> like, do, know, our do, system that hasn't really worked. We need to just do it, but right. even better. Tr- trust the process, I guess. Like that's yeah. I guess that's what, but in a very different way. It's With a ca- weird process, but yeah. we're trusting it. Yeah. Now with Toffoli signed, with Toffoli having been traded to Calgary. First of all, this sucks for the Canucks on a number of reasons, but it also is not entirely. It, but it doesn't entirely suck for the Canucks. The the, nah. the 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 first the bad news. The bad news being that now Toffoli in your division and is again mm-hmm. and is going to crush you every yep. single time you play him. Actually, I don't know. Now that Jim Benning and and Travis Green are gone. Uh, maybe he won't maybe he'll be merciful. Maybe he'll be a little merciful. He doesn't have anyone to point at in the press box that he knows. So maybe maybe they'll go that route. Uh he'll go that maybe he'll be kind. Uh especially (laughs) because Yeah, he'll be like,
1: it's not your guys' fault anymore. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Like his teammates wanted him back. It wasn't their fault. It wasn't their fault he he got he didn't get (laughs) re-signed. Um and then um, – so, yeah, that sucks, especially because I think the Canucks and the Flames have a lot of games coming up against each other down the stretch here because they've only played the one the one time all year, which is yeah. wild considering it's mid-February. They have, like, at least, like, four more games, I think, against each other. Um, and then the other part is that, obviously, you know, looking back on the Toffoli acquisition we had – Like obviously, uh, the Flames did not pay nearly as much for Tyler Toffoli this time uh, that the Canucks did as well, Mm -hmm. uh, and are arguably getting him at a uh, on a better deal because he's got uh, he's got a contract he's got he's got term term, that's the word I was looking for. Thank you. And he's just and again he's a great bargain contract like for what and he he knows the
1: coach too. Like that's the thing. It's like. When the Canucks were acquiring it, it was just kind of like, all right, this is a total UFA pick. Hopefully he works and he gels with our team and we can try and negotiate a deal down the road that works out for
0: both of us and the player. And even though he was fantastic. Even though he ticked all those boxes. He literally was better than advertised. He he was better than advertised and they still just let him walk for nothing. (laughs) I'll never get over it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so at least for like, Calgary's sake, they're like, okay, well, he has experience with Daryl Sutter. Daryl Sutter knows how to win cups with Tyler foley He trusts him. He know he he knows he can play him on the power play, the PK at 5v5. Like he's getting a huge utility role player. That's uh why it's so devastating that they let him go. God bless Vancouver Canucks fans on Twitter, though, for getting Jim Benning's name trending on a Monday morning. Like, that's amazing on a we're, day when it should just be fun. about Tyler Tefoli he is somehow trending that's so amazing <laughs> so props to that because that shit's funny and all the memes that come out and then of course you get the same discourse as like every time to gets brought up when it's like oh they couldn't afford him. they like they didn't have the cap space and
0: you it just, didn't make sense to get him. and it's just like shut the fuck up you could have not qualified jake for tan just then could, signed or Toffoli. signed yeah like, like like putting aside all the obvious parts that make the Vertanen contract even worse now. Yeah. Like, at the time, they still could have just not qualified him. Were they really worried someone was going to were... pick him up on a UFA contract? No! That, that is the funniest thing about
1: this whole thing, is that, like, they lost four guys who arguably, like, like, optics-wise, was terrible for the brand of the Vancouver Canucks, so they could protect a guy who was actively damaging the brand of the Canucks that season and until his final days as a Vancouver Canuck. Like, cause (laughs) I don't know if people forget, but like after he was qualified and signed to his new contract, the first thing he did as a Vancouver Canuck for that season was tweet out or Instagram, a video of himself driving to the rink in all of his gear
0: which yeah. was which is one of the more minor offenses. Which is one of the more minor offenses, scale. but it's just like, uh, like oh you boy. guys pr- prioritize
1: this moron after You're spending making... like the entire summer like talking about how he's training with Tyler Myers. He's really committed to
0: not showing up like a complete fat fuck at camp
1: like ooh,
0: so I know cares. I like I know it's a niche thing to complain about, but also like but also like it's it's a very simple thing to like not not re- like put your phone to record yourself while you're I driving. Know. Like that's a very easy thing. Smart. Some more we don't not, need to talk about it. We don't need to talk about, it. It. We're we're about, about him. No, let's, no, um, please um, no. Yeah, okay. Happy times, on. happy things. What's the good part about this trade for the Canucks?
1: Uh this obviously, as anyone who's paying attention, this elevates the JT Miller value, probably not too significantly, maybe. A bit more because obviously a bar has been set on uh, guys with term on their deals who provide you value in all areas of the rink. Uh, JT Miller ticks all those boxes and then some because unlike Tyler Toffoli, JT Miller is an above a point per game player right now. He is leading the Canucks in points. He is a mainstay on the penalty kill, the power play, 5v5. He is a workhorse, plays on the wing and center, which is not what Tyler Toffoli does, so you're getting utility out of him in all facets of the rink. Uh, this is very good news if you're a Canucks fan and you're all for trading JT Miller while his value is at his highest. Yeah, We were exchanging some tweets uh, in our DMs earlier, though, where it seems like the Vancouver Canucks operations aren't really sure what they want to do with him just yet, which is, I mean, it's not sad. It's just a bit concerning because naturally you and I have experienced the last eight years of Jim Benning hockey, where everything was sat on for too long and the window for opportunity or cashing in an opportunity expired. Yeah. They and, kept
0: waiting for the steak to be perfectly cooked and then yeah. it was too late and burnt. And then it was overdone. Yeah, it was overdone. It was just yeah, like, exactly. Oh,
1: okay. Yeah. Well, maybe we should have just jumped on the chance cuz we're hearing a lot through the insiders like Satyar Shah, through Chris Johnson, Darren drager Pretty much everyone in the industry is just talking about how they'll only accept a trade for JT Miller if it's the right deal because they're not sure what they want to do just yet. And that's kind of I mean, you hope it's a lot of phone tag and a lot of we're just posturing ourselves in the media so we can try and negotiate for the best deal that improves our club, both short term and long term, instead of whereas in the previous regime, when you heard it in the news that they were not wanting to act on something because like they didn't want to do it. You knew it. That was concrete fact. They just did (laughs) not believe it was essential to be doing said thing that was being reported where it was like where what was it it was uh <laughs> jason botchford asking for like weeks are you guys going to be asking Ed- alex edler to wave so you can trade him for value and this is when he was like 33 and they're like no we haven't thought about it yet and then it was reported by like imac like the week after the trade deadline yet like oh yeah they they finally asked alex edler if he was willing to waive like four days before the trade deadline it's like no shit, you couldn't move him because he was given four days to consider uprooting his life. Macaroni gl- on
0: construction paper. <laughs> yeah. God damn. As, as the yeah. great Rachel Dory put it, uh, the great Canucks executive or Canucks yes. a front office member. I don't know if she's technically an executive. I guess tech, I guess front office is just the. It correct depends way to put if it. she's running.
1: If you're running a department, you're considered like an executive. Or like okay, a, then she, then, she's, person, then she's then she's just front office. Yeah, she's yeah, just from like just member. managerial staff. Yeah. A great
0: no. a great quote. Enemy. Um a great quote and yeah, I think this is like there're two I have two schools of thought on this. One being that I do think that this is more about the gamesmanship of getting a deal done because some cuz t- yeah, when things leak, when details leak to us and like to other press people, like that that can definitely make a difference in and how a trade gets done or how like a uh, or whether or not a con like a deal a concrete deal even happens in the first place because sometimes like that can lead because sometimes like that sort of stuff just even will lead to like hurt feelings from players like if they're hearing their name out there in the middle of a trade thing like and that in itself can completely affect how they want to approach that like let's say you're a player with a no with like a no move clause and you're hearing like rumors of uh oh, the Canucks are gonna try and uh, uh get you to get this person, player A to waive his no trade or something like that, right? All of a sudden you're kind of like, even if it's not true, you're like, Well, now I don't want to, just out of like uh spite kind of thing, right? Which <laughs> yeah, like or like just out of that sense of like you're not in you're you're mad that it went out there, so you don't feel like you don't feel you don't wanna be like necessarily fully helpful in that case, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's fine. You earned that no move clause, so you are. Yeah totally within your right to not waive it um but like and but like that's why i think in the canucks case i think they're doing their best to like make sure that there's not uh any sort of like oh we're making it we're a hundred percent getting rid of this guy because that not only diminishes your value it also pisses off your player it also pisses off yes everyone else like it's one of those cases where you are much, you have to kind of play the game to do it properly and that mm-hmm. means kind of giving out the stuff of like yeah we're not going to necessarily trade this guy it's it's that reverse psychology a little bit now on the on with that in mind let's say for let's say for all intents and purposes that what they're saying is true like what like that's entirely the case that they're not sure what to do with JT Miller like that's totally 100% concretely correct let's say for example mm-hmm. i kind of get that to an extent like i i i understand from a pure hockey sense the idea of we don't want to trade our leading point getter for like Fair. even even if like yeah even if it's like the right thing to do i totally understand this uh, the like idea the
1: apprehension of, behind it of being yeah. like do should. Can we afford to trade our leading scorer that helps us
0: long-term or short-term? Like, is this really, like, how much is it going to hurt us the second we lose him from our lineup, no matter who's Mm -hmm. coming in to replace him? Like, I mean, like, you think back to, like, the Gretzky trade, obviously a very different circumstance, but that idea of, like, like, they traded a guy in his, they traded the best player in NHL history, hockey history, in basically his prime because they just had to do it at that point and they felt like it was the right time to make that deal but you like there was like you hear the like the owner like at points being like yeah there were multiple times that I straight up considered going never mind the deal is off like midway through like the press conference right like Mm -hmm. right to like the bitter end where you're like god is am I making the right call the Oilers ended up winning a cup like a couple seasons after without him so yeah. they got they got what they kind of they kind of got what they wanted out of it anyway. They were yeah. lucky enough in that regard, but still like god, that's a that's a really hard decision to make to be like we're going to trade our far and away the guy who scored the most points for us and we're going to hope that it doesn't completely burn us long term. Like that's a that's I don't envy that decision. I don't envy being the people who have to make that call. Certainly. Like that's that's obviously like
1: especially when it's your first like year on the job yeah the First few months on the job no less and you're like you're take you're you're not on a sinking ship but you're on a ship that is in a precarious position where it can either start really taking on water or you can start bailing it out but you like your bucket which is jt miller you're not sure what to do with it you're not
0: really sure
1: if you can you might to start. get a bigger bucket
0: but you don't yeah
1: know. like you have no idea and it like I understand where they're like we we really need the perfect return package to make it work like if if the rangers deal is only f- as uh <laughs> the new york Post is brooks and larry brooks i reported uh was it will Coyle or whatever was the uh I, the
0: deal breaker Someone who i'd never heard of like it was just like the weirdest He's like a thing. fourth so, round pick I'll, or
1: something i will it was like i will meh production
0: I will pull up the uh the thing because here's the so there was a whole thread by uh Larry Brooks and a lot of people are pretty darn convinced that this is another this case is clearly of clearly Chris Jury talking straight, straight to the public, straight from the horse's mouth, right?
1: Because he's it's, trying to lower the value, like yeah, it's, a bad
0: job. <laughs> He's doing like like oh, we won't pay for anything less than like ECHL goaltender David yeah. Jeff the Jeff the Zamboni driver is a no go. Like okay. Jim from accounting is from-
1: the deal breaker here.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I'll read the tweet. It's it's not a it's a thread, but it's only it's not a long. Thread. It's only like three. I'll read, the, yeah. I'll read the whole thing verbatim here. Uh, Jt Miller's trade value increases only if an acquiring team wants to meet Vancouver's price. There is no law that says the Rangers are now going to throw in throw Schneider or Othman, uh, is Otman Oth- or Othman? Othman I think. Offman yeah. like or, or Coyle into the deal just because Calgary may have overpaid for Toffoli. If Canucks get greedy and do not move him, Miller's trade value will diminish over the offseason while an acquiring team would get him for one playoff one, run rather than two. Me. I think if Drury has prioritized Miller, then Lundqvist or not not Henrik Lundqvist, a different Lundqvist. I need to clarify. Niels that. Niels or, Lundqvist or, or Cheadle or, Phil, or Philip, Philip Cheadle. Cheadle, Cheadle, Cheadle comprise up. Lundqvist and Cheadle provide compromise. Comprise a pretty good return, like. You're right. That is a good, like, yeah. You're right for the Rangers. That's a great return for JT yeah, Miller. Two for like one guy who I don't think is even in the regular lineup, and like what? And Philip Cheadle, who is like what third pairing like, defenseman? Like, and he's come like, on, com- and he's like completely overpaid, and like clearly
1: like, yeah. plays isn't it, a isn't a factor. So it's like you're talking about like <laughs> it's just like, like a bunch of like lot like lottery picks, basically. Of yeah. hey, maybe they will be like good NHLers, but you're talking about. But this a is the line, this is the hard line we're drawing. Yeah.
0: It would be like for for a comparison, this would be like me leaking like an in like a note from like Canucks management being like the Canucks will not stoop lower than Adam Fox and, uh, and <laughs> Mika Zibanejad and uh, Alexi Lafreniere. That's a good return in my opinion. Like, yeah, of course it's, it is. Like So it's,
1: very clearly just like someone from the executive branch of the Rangers talking straight to Brooks and being like, Hey, uh, it doesn't really seem like this negotiation is going our way. Can you uh, tweet out something about how, we think that this package is actually totally worth it for the Canucks. And it's like, nah, dude. <laughs> you can't just like get rid of a bunch of like garbage for a point per game player with term on his yeah. deal. Like, that's just not how trades work. So, yeah, yeah. that he,
0: like, I mean, Cheadle is, yeah, he's a, he's a, he's, sorry, he's a, he is a third, he's the third line center, but uh, right now for the, for the, uh, for the Rangers. He is, and he uh, makes on, like
1: two and a half million or something like that. He has that.
0: 11 points in 38 games. Like, get out of here. Like, yeah. straight up, get out of here. Like, this is the, do- like, like, this that's is a, the- that's a cap dump for them.
1: That is not yeah. a, oh, shoot, we're going to really be missing this guy.
0: Yeah. The And the thing that you got to remember with the Rangers that didn't come into play until this regime of this Chris Jury regime came in is the, Uh, fact that this is probably, there's a, that, uh, it seems like, uh, the owner of the Rangers, uh, a man by the name of James Dolan has, uh, has become a lot more hands on with the Rangers again. And, uh, which if, uh, if there's any Knicks fans listening, I don't know a lot about the NBA, but I know that they don't like him for a lot of, (laughs) for, for how hands on he is and how much he thinks he knows basketball. And now he's trying to do the same thing with hockey and, uh, it's a big disaster uh Mm -hmm. when he starts trying to meddle in the affairs of the of the team of the team day to day um yeah of course again it's one of those things where it's like yeah of course Philip Cheadle is a nice return and uh and another and this other guy are a good return for them but that's not what JT Miller is worth he's one of the he's one of the best players in the NHL as of right right now now. like right now maybe not all the time maybe but like yeah he's like no you're not gonna just get him for two guy like two depth guys you don't get that that's not how trades work
1: i i love the uh optimism though and i i don't know i like the i just love all the responses to him too where they're just like yeah that's not gonna work dude or they but they they don't talk to larry brooks they're like chris this isn't gonna work buddy like they're yeah, just no. completely like they're they bypass the middle man. They're, they're just <laughs> completely bypassing it to talk to Larry to move
0: like you're like you like trying to have a conversation with them and uh Larry Brooks is just in between It's like, Susie, <laughs> yeah. can you hey. move please? Like I'm trying yeah. to talk to Chris Drury yeah. here. Like <laughs> Get out of my way, get out of my way, (laughs) excuse Um, me. Uh, like, uh, yeah, (laughs) or you're trying to get to the hors d'oeuvres plate, and the guy just won't stop talking to you. You're like, oh my god, I just want, I see the quiches, I just want to get over there. (laughs) Like, that's what, like, that's what this is. Look, if the range, and as we've learned from watching Jim Benning run a team, like, and we're using,
1: and folks, we're using air quotes because it was very poorly run, so
0: yeah, yes, (laughs) um, but like. If there's one thing I learned during the eight years that he was here, it is that teams are – the team that is desperate to get a deal done is not the team that's trading the incumbent, like, player. It's Mm -hmm. the team that is desperate to make the playoffs by any means necessary and will make a clearly lopsided trade to make that happen, right? like, and that doesn't necessarily mean it doesn't work out for you. like sometimes it, like is sometimes one of those lopsided deals totally like can do you can get exactly what you want out of them. like mm-hmm. if you win that if you win that Stanley Cup, who cares how much you paid for it? You won. Yeah, um, but in the Rangers case, they're in a spot where they're clearly very desperate to make the playoffs.
1: James Dolan is all in. He completely torched his front office because he wanted affirmative Playoff action now. he yeah. wanted playoffs right now he didn't care who he had to fire to get the guys he wanted he employed chris Drury. they completely overhauled like the image and complexion of their team so that they were tougher to play against because james dolan didn't like how they were walked over by tom wilson so they got tougher they spent a ton for barclay goudreau like there, yeah. there's clearly this- like a like a road map to the cup for in James Dolan's mind, which is like fine. If that's if that's what you think is gonna take to win a Stanley Cup, then sure, that's your vision. And you stick to your vision and you stick to your plan. And by all means, it's worked so far. They're surviving off of elite goaltending and they are not even in a wild card. They are in the top three of the Metropolitan right now. So like whatever they're plan no matter how silly or ridiculous it seems be from There's like seven, the agenda they're like they seven of it's 10 it's working like yeah, it, it is paying off it is just kind of like it's a mandate being set by an owner so it's just kind of like it's just very funny yeah. how it's all
0: shaking out um it- And if you're the Rangers, what, let's say, let's say you kind of level off, like, let's say you level off right now, like the capitals have been struggling, which is kind of why they've got a little bit of wiggle room here. Mm -hmm. Let's say the capitals come on, which, uh, a little bit late in the season, like, or closer to the deadline, which, you know, with a team with Alex Ovechkin on it, uh, they're always going to be in that conversation regardless. Right. Yeah. Uh, let's say uh, the Islanders are also like. Let's not forget the Islanders. I mean, they have an insane number of games in hand. Do you know, like, okay, they the Rangers they have the least amount of games in hand, I believe. Do you know how many that is?
1: I'm gonna say they've played like 41 games,
0: maybe. 40. The, Island- the Islanders have played 42 games. They have played, Ooh. which you are very close. The Rangers, for comparison, have played 47. So they yeah. have the Islanders have five games in hand on the Rangers right now. Right, and, and they're playing know, pretty good. now. and they are behind by a lot. Like to like, just to give you an idea, the Islanders have only forty points. The Rangers have sixty-four, so they're about <laughs> twenty-four points behind. But let's say the Islanders win those five games. That's ten points. That's an extra ten points on your schedule. Suddenly, you're only behind by fourteen. Yeah, let's say it gets a little. It can get. It can get closer. Like the numbers mm-hmm. can definitely get a lot closer if you're the Rangers. There's probably going to be a point where you get a little scared, where there's a scare, where you think, oh, my God, if we're not careful, we're going to miss. So if if we don't act right now, we're going to miss the playoffs, even if that's not true. Like, you might make it regardless. But there's definitely going to be that fear in your mind of, oh, my God, we might not make it. We better trade for some guarantees here. And you might take, and that might mean JT Miller. That might mean taking a huge law, like giving away the farm for JT Miller. Like they're not, but no one's going to help them is the thing. No one is going to be like, sure, we will give you the most friendliest We'd love to put you over the top. Like that's not how it works. Especially not a team like the Canucks that is clearly not hurting having him in the lineup every day. Like Mm there is no incentive. There is no incentive for them to rush trading JT Miller by any means.
1: They, yeah, they They have no purpose to like. That's why when you hear like the reports from like Sat or Brendan Batchelor, whoever it is, when they're like, "Oh yeah, they're like they're not rushing to anything unless the perfect deal comes because he like he still got term, like right? Yeah, like, he can. Good. They can. They can use that as leverage to be like, "Hey, we know you're contending for a cup, but we don't know what we are. So if you really want them to put yourself over, it's gonna cost you quite a bit. And, and- props to them for sticking to their guns because i think the management staff of old would have just held to the idea that you know they keep kicking they keep kicking at it hoping it's going to work out keep hammering the square peg into the round hole yeah. even though you know they're actually playing connect four and they don't need a hammer like that's yeah. just like the way the last regime worked like they just didn't they just didn't get it basically yeah. they didn't understand negotiation tactics it was always about making sure
0: both teams won the trade, even though like what kind of value would they get would be like nothing. Yeah. One other thing worth noting is that the way that that whole thread by uh, Brooks is Larry Brooks is put is uh, structured. It makes it sound like no other team would be interested in JT Miller, which isn't true. Which is completely true. like, no, like maybe the Rangers are the team, the the Rangers are clearly the team that want him most Mm -hmm. Uh, again, which is why they're, desperate to pretend that no one else should want him Uh, (laughs) but no they're a hundred percent like and there are a lot of teams in the nhl that if the for the right fit would be willing to part with some good assets for jt miller to help themselves make the playoffs like i mean minnesota i think was brought up at one point they're a very good example of a team that's like hey maybe Giving some extra help behind Krill Caprizov would really help us out here, right? And that mm-hmm, depends mm-hmm. on what they want to go. I think they're in a bit more of a they can wait and see a little bit more, but uh, you know, there's there's lots of options out there where other teams are probably gonna try uh close as the deadline gets closer to kick tires and see if they can get something, if they can get JT Miller for a good price.
1: Yeah, well, I guess we've kind of talked about other teams quite a bit. Do we want to recap the Canucks thrilling? Huge colossal victory over the Toronto Maple Leafs. I sure do. There was a hockey game over the weekend, and my goodness, we can skip right over the Infinity Gauntlet because we know goddamn well who it's going to. Yes, we do. Niels hoglin No kidding. It's obviously That's Patrick right. Demko for the big 53 save performance. Absolutely ridiculous. Canucks coming up big early, two goals to start it off, which puts the Leafs in quite a hole because you do not want to be down two facing against an elite goaltender like Thatcher Demko. And that's not my words. That is the Toronto Maple Leafs head coach, Sheldon Keefe in Dang. the post game talking about Thatcher Demko and what his team needed to overcome the kind of battle they needed to put through. And they did, they did tie the game, but Canucks rallied again to regain a lead, and Thatcher Demko shut the door. And yeah. after a brutal, embarrassing loss to the Islanders, that's exactly the kind of win they needed. Can they actually build on that with a run that will actually, you know, bolster their playoff aspirations? If they are indeed aspiring for a wild card spot or a playoff run, or are we expecting more 500 hockey down the stretch? It's
0: tough I- to say. I, I think, you know what, like, again, I don't think there's anything, the, the way that I've always, like, talked about the Canucks, even when, even in the, like, the worst years of the Canucks, like, um, whenever we got to, like, the whole, oh, the Canucks, is it bad that they're not tanking? Like, is it bad that they're winning a lot of games? My thought process always went back to, if the team is organically winning games, I don't care. Like, I don't care how, where they finish, if they're organically playing good hockey and winning games based on playing good hockey. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with Vancouver going out of their way. Like, let's say they don't make, like the odds are pretty stacked that they're not on against them to make the playoffs. You're still going to look at this as like, oh my God, we beat Toronto. Like we beat one of the most (laughs) offensively charged teams in the league. Yeah. Partially a lot to do with your goaltending. Uh, but still like they did, they, the defense like was going up in a, it was in a situation where they didn't have Quinn Hughes, their best defenseman, and they had to kind of just kind of hang on for dear life a little bit, and they did they did it. Like, yeah, they gave up fifty shots, uh, it, which isn't Who a good doesn't? which isn't a good standard to set. But like overall, like there was never a point in that game where I was looking at them like, oh god, like uh, you know, oh the they look completely uh, like washed here. They were doing okay, like they were hanging on as best they could. And yeah. I think that's fine considering like what the like what the end result was. They played in a they played a system that really benefited their, their goaltender. And at the end of the day, like I think Demko likes getting a lot of shots on net. He likes playing in those bigger in those bigger uh, those bigger save games. Um And it worked for them. It worked for them at the end of the day. If you're Toronto, though, like, God, I remember like I didn't realize until the first puck went in uh because i was partially like i was i was doing something else at the time i think i was like i forget exactly what it was i think i was like um i i I was going down some wikipedia rabbit hole if i remember correctly and then i see the shot go in i wasn't fully paying attention then i see the first goal go in the jt miller goal and i'm like oh my god wow they actually got out to an early lead here and then realized (laughs) oh that's peter morassik in that that's not jack campbell oh like now to be fair, Peter Mrazek up until recently was a pretty darn good starting goaltender. Uh, just had a lot of injury issues. Yeah. I don't know why, why, why the Leafs went into that game knowing full well that Thatcher Demko was going to be starting for the Canucks and said we're not going to start Jack Campbell. Like, uh, he, the guy is literally having one of the best seasons. Uh, in the NHL as far as goaltenders is concerned. Like he might be one of the few goaltenders that can say he's been just as good as Demko or at least in that area for large stretches of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they chose to put him on the bench. Like they, I I don't know. And that's why they lost at the end of the day. Like uh, Peter Mrazic gave Yuho Lamico an absolute gift of a rebound right out in front of the net. Lamico does a great job of, ju- of getting, of getting, Away from the Leafs' defense and putting it in, and that's the winner. Like that's it. They lost because they did not have Thatcher as goaltending in it. Even though they kind of could have if they had just played the other guy. I don't. I don't understand that 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 coaching decision. That was a weird call. It it was a bit sus to say the least because it was just
1: kind of like. I mean, I mean, I I totally get it. I'm sure they were probably like, "Oh, it's just the Canucks. Like we can roll through this team uh, somehow. We just need." like average goaltending like i can which, completely buy like them being like we can outscore our way
0: to victory here I, which i i guess but also they learned last year that hey we can't beat them even if they're coming right off of a co- of the whole team getting <laughs> covid you think they'd have learned their lesson by this point they have <laughs> yeah. ample reason to know that they're the canucks are not as <laughs> just are not a, as bad as they as people think yeah you'd
1: think there'd be just like a teeny inkling of doubt where they'd be like hmm, maybe we should have a backup plan in case we can't outscore our problems no. here. But, I But mean, uh,
0: they, they clearly didn't. <laughs> they clearly didn't. In fact, like, they didn't, both their goals were special teams. They didn't even score, they didn't yeah. even score a single five-on-five goal.
1: Which... No, the Canucks have been very good at 5v5, and, like, yeah, sure, they gave up, like, a crap ton of volume against yeah. uh, the Leafs, but at 5v5, like, they really kind of shut up. the door on them, and they've been, I think one of the best teams in the league right now at preventing five V five goals. I think they have the second lowest or the lowest amount of five V five goals allowed, which is crazy because how often have we talked about how poorly this team has been defensively? And it's like, well, it's just one facet of the game where they've really been at their worst defensively. And that's the PK where a historically bad PK has basically sunk their entire season. And that's, pretty rough for them because it's like yeah all
0: you needed was to just be average mediocre mediocre penalty kill you might be like straight up they might be like they might have won like seven more games by this point
1: yeah they could they literally could have been like a wild card team at this point if they had just simply got like a decent decently average like a league average penalty kill that's all they really needed and unfortunately they never got it and couldn't address it they traded for yuho Lamico as like a like a not a last ditch effort but an effort to try and get something going on the pk especially with tyler mod out with injury but it was just like it's never been enough to save or salvage any of the, like the real issues with the team unfortunately
0: yeah it's a it's a, it's it's weird how cursed that group is especially because like there are a lot of times in like that power play like where i'm like I'm not, I'm watching them and I'm thinking it's not like they're doing anything particularly egregiously bad. Like mm-hmm. it's just kind of one of those where, oh, the tic-tac-toe play comes at just the right moment where somebody has skated a little bit too far to like the left or the right or something. It's like a, a very, it's that the fine line between a goal, a power play goal and a uh, blocked pass or a, or a lane, right? Or a, mm-hmm. uh, a, la- a passing lane closing up. Like it's 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 so weird how bad it's been. But like against the Leafs, it's a case of like, oh god, like you that was it was watching the Harlem Globetrotters against the the Washington Generals, <laughs> like you like, and that's not fair to the Canucks for, for sure because the or Leafs the Washington power- Generals or the Washington Generals, no, because like literally like that was very much a case of like you're watching the Leafs do the one thing that they are very very absolutely undeniably very good at, which is yeah, just work the puck around. Uh, quick passes, get a couple nice, a sh- uh, quick shots on net for a rebound and then go and then make a path and then make a nice pass to, to the open lane. Like they're mm-hmm. very good at closing you in to the point where you have kind of no choice, but to give up a goal yeah. and it worked in that case. But yeah, like the rest of the game overall, they did fine. Like the Canucks did pretty well. Like, uh, you look at the, the first line where they, the Bruce Boudreaux took a bit of a calculated risk where he was like, Okay. I know our, our top three, our three lines can't really outscore the, (laughs) the Leafs right now. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to overload the top two lines. I'm going to go full all in, like putting Horvat in the middle, centering JT Miller and Brock Besser immediately. You're like, Oh, they're going fully going for it on. These are the two lines that are going to score, get all the goals here and get all the offense going. And uh, with hit, with that line plus Pedersen with uh, put Coles in and Hoaglander, which was, I think, just OK. Like, they were just OK yeah. in that game. Um, I, and I think part of that, is, again, just due to the Leafs having a, having a lot more of the, lot more bodies that can match what they bring to the table. Yeah. Um, whereas Miller, uh, Horvat, and Besser were just a wrecking crew. Like, they were really, yeah. they were giving the Leafs a very hard time. Every time they were stepping out on the ice. And that was because I I the Leafs have a lot of things. They don't have a line that I think can both play as well offense, play offensively well, but also kind of move the body, like push the body a little bit or pretty strong on the four Mm -hmm. check and on the four check as well as the back check. Like they're very good at both ends of the ice, that group of three. And it were it worked against the Leafs so well. Yeah. And like
1: Brock Besser continues to have like a really good stretch while under Bruce Boudreaux. Like the points are really starting to come after, you know, really, really struggling under Travis Green. And even like during the Bruce Boudreaux bump era, like he still was struggling to find the net. But I think he has, what was it? He had like six points or something in his last like four games or something like that. Like he's he's, been consistently
0: very, very good.
1: Yeah. He's been like relatively quite productive. And that's kind of what they need. And, I think it was I think Earth or someone put it like tweeted out today that that or maybe it was John Shannon, John Shannon saying that he's hearing more about Brock Besser trade rumors than he is JT Miller right now, which now, is a little uh, spicy,
0: spicy. Also don't do that. Jim Rutherford. Do not <laughs> also, please don't. please don't, please don't do that. We love his do. gorgeous blonde hair. We love his gorgeous blonde hair. And we also love that. This is him kind of coming into what I think he's supposed to be where exactly. like you look, like, it's like okay. a, a
1: really strong two way forward, especially like along the boards. Like he's like low key, like still got his shot. He's a decent distributor, but he's just like really strong along the wall, which is something that they they obviously prioritize because that's kind of like what Pod Colson's thing was. It's what Hoglander's thing was. Even Pedersen, like that's what people allotted him for as like a rookie is that despite his size, he was still able to win puck battles along the board. And the fact that they've got that throughout the lineup is kind of like their bread and butter almost is that they're going to outwork opposing teams for the pucks along boards and create offense through the slot that way. And Besser had struggled certainly this year, but it's really starting to come together. So it would be quite, quite the shame. It's like, as soon as he starts doing that, they train
0: him immediately. Yeah. And then, and then he just, it's like, Oh, it turns out he was just that good the whole time. Like he was just yeah, like, like that, oh. that's just him now. Like, I mean, yeah, you're right. He has eight points in his last seven games, including uh, the three point night against the jets on the, the 27th. I think that's one thing that's also kind of hampered him slightly was just the, Oh, they had that weird layoff between in jan- mid January um, because of all the, right. the pauses and stuff, or like early mm-hmm. January, like I think that affected him a little bit. Because like there was like a one stretch where he had no points in three games, uh, like on that home stretch, that first stretch back home. Right. Um, but since then, he's literally yeah, he has two games where he hasn't gotten a single point. Uh, but then that, but then you have uh, three games where he got at least one point. Uh, the, the three point game against the Jets, and then the two go- and then two points against Toronto. Like that's a he's looking consist he's scoring consistently right now like yeah. that's and that's exactly what you want out of him and again like I, I think the Besser thing might be another case of team other teams really want Brock Besser I would be I think that's one of those trades that right now in particular I just see that going south really badly like I see that one <laughs> unless like the you're second getting they do it unless
1: they're trading for like another young star yeah for, like...
0: unless Unless you're, like, magically winding up in, like, a Brock Besser deal, like, somehow, I don't know. Let's say, uh, geez, uh, let's say you move him to, like, uh, get, I don't know, Lexi Lafreniere or something like that. Mm-hmm. Then you're like, okay, maybe you win on that. Like, that's another deal where it's like, okay, they better give you the best offer in the world. Like, you better be getting the most lopsided trade of all time yeah. <laughs> to trade Brock Besser. Because I think there's just too much potential of what he could be on that. On as as a player, like whereas J T Miller, the cake is fully baked on what J T Miller is. Whereas yeah. with Besser, it, there's still there's still some there's still time for the dough to rise a little bit there. Ooh, I like that analogy, and I think
1: we've seen a lot of Brock Besser playing really well for a bad team. But like I feel like to your point, the Canucks don't know what they really have in any of these players playing for a really good team. Like what That's, God like, is that not like so a rising. True a rising tide lifts all boats kind of situation in the nhl like look at the abs right now like Nazem kadri has 62 points or something in 40 something games and that's like... insane and Nazem kadri is a very good player absolutely he's having an unreal season do i think on the canucks right now he'd be a 62 points in 40 games player no. absolutely not i don't think he would be even that if he re-signed with the abs for next year i just don't think that's that's in him he's on a contract year and he's playing out of his mind so he gets paid and good for him but in the canuck situation they have all these guys who have been on these lengthy deals playing for a terrible team and never really living up to it or playing to those standards and so eventually in theory this team is going to get remarkably better and In theory, you'll see a Brock Besser who is showing way more than what he is now playing for a bad team. He might be that 62-point guy in 40 games if he's surrounded by a D-core and a forward group that isn't just getting completely shelled and relying on Demko making 50-plus saves in order for them to squeak out one-gold victories.
0: Yeah, like what if Horvat? Miller and Besser was a line that they could put out on a nightly basis without having to be like, oh, we're taking away from the third or the fourth line. Like, what mm-hmm. if that was just how they they were strong enough at the bottom there that they could go, okay, yeah, we're just gonna leave these guys together because we we can do that now. Yeah, like that's that's exactly what it is. Like, you want to talk about like rise like uh, a tide a rising tide uh, brings up all ships thing. Like, look at the Wild, right, with with the way that they've been built of recent uh, of late. Uh, mm-hmm. Matt Stuccarello, I didn't know this until recently. Um, right now, he is on pace for a career season at age 34. He is on pace yeah. to his best season uh, was 2015-16 with the Rangers at 28 when he scored, when he had 61 points. He currently has 43 in 37 games. Uh, oh, yeah. that's and that's great. largely due to playing on a line with Krill Kaprizov and uh, like and playing on a group that can facilitate that to where they can put that kind of star power all in that top line and oh, yeah. see how it goes for the rest of the group. The Canucks aren't there yet. No. They really don't that yet. Um, but yeah, like that's the kind of potential you could be looking at. Now that might also, uh, that might hamper the argument with JT Miller, with the JT Miller trade and why that's a good idea as well. But like with Besser in particular, it's that idea of, I, I, again, I just think there's, I think there's more. I think that I think what we're seeing now is closer to what he could be. Uh, it really does feel like that with him
1: yeah um let's not talk about him because we are gonna jinx him he will be traded by tomorrow morning so let's oh not God. do that <laughs> i mean don't
0: i don't remind me
1: <laughs> i always like think try to think back to like all my old takes and i'm like okay which ones have been like terribly wrong and which ones are like gonna come true like one day and uh I would, i'm just like I'm, i hope all my trade predictions are wrong because i would just be just devastated to see like I think what we were joking earlier in the season that like Hoglander would be traded because Bruce Boudreau doesn't like him or Travis Green thinks he's too short or or something stupid like that. and They they trade him for like Mark Stahl or whatever it is. But anyway, let's get to let's continue with positive Canucks news, because on top of a big win against Toronto Maple Leafs, they uh, hired a new AGM. Another one. Wouldn't you know it? It's a friend of the Canucks team the uh, oh wait i want to phrase this where i say mr for i want to do like you know how they call um
0: oh uh where they're like
1: uh, miss uh
0: see the problem is you're in the wrong spot here because ray ferraro you want to refer to him as cammy granado's as
1: mr yeah yeah i want to be like mr granado but then that doesn't work because like don granado is like a really famous like hockey man like person yeah like it doesn't really work to call him Mister granado but yeah, I guess you would do Cami granado's husband. So that's yeah, not like how work, everyone like, yeah.
0: refers to Morgan Riley as Tessa Virtue's boyfriend. Like that's yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Goes, yeah. Or um, uh, so and so's brother uh was Penny Alexiak. Uh, so oh yeah, refer to that, Jamie it, Alexiak. It's like it's it's Pen- Pen- Penny Alexiak's Alexiak, brother. Brother, yeah. that's right. So yeah, that's exactly. what I. That's how I want to refer to Cami granado but it doesn't really work because Ray Ferraro wasn't hired. So.
0: Yeah. But you Rainfall, get the idea folks. You know what I'm We get to the idea. Cami Granado, a former US Olympian, gold Hell medalist. Yeah. Uh, uh, at the Nagano 98 games and along with I believe she I I think she was on the the uh, silver medal team in, in Salt Lake as well. She might have I, think I so. if she'd retired already by that point.
1: I think cuz uh, her whole Hall of Fame thing was like she she was like the first like captain of the uh, a gold gold winning team and then won two silvers after or something like that. I I can't remember, but point is she was hired to be a AGM in a kind of overseer of the amateur and pro scouting departments for the Vancouver Canucks, which is exciting because we're seeing the team expand on their office and they're going with, you know, intelligent people with actual hockey history,
0: credible hockey history,
1: hockey hall of famers
0: no last yeah, literally a hall of famer we have a hall of famer working in yeah. the front office now that's yeah it's awesome. no longer yeah the hall of famers
1: didn't go to florida <laughs> the no. the hall of famers are uh are now being hired by the team like that's great um yeah. i mean with but, luongo they could have gotten one more but you know hey there's still time but he could you know fingers crossed he might come he back could. you never know <laughs> No, no at, this, at this point, you no, know, we got
0: we got Patrick Alvin now. We don't have a, there's no opening left, unfortunately, for him. You know what's going to happen is the Calgary Flames are going to hire Roberto Luongo to be oh, the AGM. I would I I I, I would actually very, I'd be I'd be very I sad. would
1: respect the fuck out of Luongo if like he arranged some kind of meme transaction between like the Panthers and the Flames where the Flames were just like we have hired Roberto Luongo to be an AGM. And April it's like for trip, yeah. one day on April first, and that's it. And then it's like, never mind, we voided his contract. He has returned to Florida just yeah. for the fucking memes to rile up all the Vancouver I would, fans. I would
0: be, I would, I, I would be very, very sad.
1: It would be I, so I, funny, dude.
0: Yeah. It. Oh, it would be very funny. I would be. I would be but, for like for that instant, where
1: you're minutes, just like
0: yeah, heartbroken. Like, oh. I'd be, I'd be so mad if the the Flames hired him because I'd be like, God, they're gonna win now too. <laughs> like, I I know, I know how this works. Um, yeah, true. But I mean, hey, with the front office the Canucks have right now and the way they've been building things, like, here's the thing, right? I think the thing that makes this even more crazy, and when you think about it, is like, so she's one of now three assistant GMs the Canucks have, which as opposed to i think before i think under jim benning they generally had uh i think they had two as well generally speaking cuz it was chris gear and then john wisebroad was the other one mm-hmm. uh those were like the two agms but even then like chris gear got promoted a lot later i don't think they had more than one agm for a very long time Correct. or at least for of that uh for a long run of jim benning's tenure um this is what you can do. Like that's the, we always, I think we've said this before on this show that there is no cap. There is no salary cap for coaches. There's no salary cap for executives. You can hire as many as you want. That is where you can make, like, if you have the money to do so, that is where you can make the biggest difference in -hmm. an organization is by bringing in and hiring as many smart people as you can. Cammy Granado is one of the smartest people in hockey. Like, I mean, she's been doing, she's been scouting for the Kraken for the, uh, the last year and a half, I believe. Um, and I remember at the time when the, when she went to the Kraken, people were like, God, she was in the Canucks like backyard this whole time because yeah. he, because her and obviously Ray Ferraro live in Vancouver. Uh, it, it was like, God, they could have had her if they wanted to. Everyone, didn't. everyone
1: was so choked, it's like, how are we losing out on all this local talent? It was Cami Granados, was Ray Ferraro, it was the Computer Boys. It was just like, how, how can this ownership group not capitalize on all the local talent that constantly gets churned out by
0: Canucks Army or...
1: You know, whoever it is, how are yeah, they, they haven't not...
0: hired me yet still like come they on, haven't man. hired
1: us. And we have amazing opinions like yeah, exactly. that is just unacceptable. But the frustrations were like totally legit. And I think a lot of people, too, after Cami Granado got hired by the Seattle Kraken, everyone kind of assumed like, oh, like, that's it. Cami Granado is going to be just off the table because she's now going to probably have the be on she's the up and up, up with this brand new franchise that like clearly emphasized hiring women, uh, having a diverse uh, front office staff, managerial staff, like, it's kind of like, oh, like, that's it. Maybe, maybe next year, maybe another decade from now, she'll be available. I did not think she'd be available this soon. Yeah, no. To, to hire for an AGM position. Like, that's that's a coup, really, by the Canucks. Like, props to Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin for fleshing out their office staff by getting someone with – as much history and, you know, like legit, like weight behind her career as Cami Granado. Like that's a big hire for yeah. your scouting staff
0: and for your head office. that's rocks. Yeah. Like the clearly, like you want to talk about somebody who's paid their dues. Like Cami Granado has paid her dues. And then some like Jeez. she's, she's done like, she's done everything. She's played, she's played, she's got one Olympic medals. She's got, uh, she's worked as like on, like tv as a co- as a commentator before like mm-hmm. she's done she's done she had the the on the bus with Cami and aj podcast with uh, aj molesco which i believe is over on the the uh the and price network or whatever the go oh, yeah. sports i think it's called uh they the those Go-Gurt guys sports yeah go <laughs> gogert sports that that's what they should have named it like god that was a what a missed opportunity that, that, that's uh, an
1: advertising sponsorship right there and it's ridiculous a, they haven't done that's
0: it. All, that's also, I will say, that might be a joke that uh, they might not be, uh, they might be the generation little... behind to get. Gogurt is very That's much true. uh Gen Z uh, millennial bit. Um, That's true. But, like, God, yeah, inducted in the Hall of Fame. There's so much there for what Cami Granado has clearly, like, been capable of doing for a long time. And it's frankly, it's frankly a crime that it took anyone as long as it did to hire her in the first place when the Kraken did Mm -hmm. um like that it is crazy that it took that long and so for the Canucks to now go in here and actually be like hey we can offer you even better like we can offer you even better than a scouting position how'd you like literally the like a full-on executive role as a member of the Vancouver Canucks yeah yeah like huge and now they've got like looking right at like let like you look at what their um their front office looks like now, like, let's just say, we'll look at it besides Jim Rutherford, like the top, the four guy, the four people at the top, it's mm-hmm. Patrick Galvin, who's worked in the, in the business for a very long time. Yeah. You've got in a your, variety
1: of roles. Yeah. In a
0: variety of different roles. You have Derek Clancy, who is also in the same boat done, yep. I believe did a lot of scouting as well. I think he's director been... of player
1: personnel for Pittsburgh for quite a while. Now he's in the same kind of role of, as Cammy Granado, where he's also, overseeing the amateur and pro scouting departments like they've got a lot of a lot of people in these roles that haven't specifically been one thing their entire nhl career like they've been up and down doing a bit of everything which is going to help them when it comes to making big like big picture decisions down the road when it comes to yeah. things like what do we do with jt
0: miller what do we do with brock besser what do we do with yeah. the cap like this that yeah. and other thing yeah, you have that. You have uh, uh, Emily, yeah, Emily Kastengay, who's a former agent now. You've got mm-hmm. that. Yeah, you've got that aspect of, in in your in your uh, in your office. And then you have the former Olympian. You have the former Olympian and Cami Granato. Like you have four people who have done who have had very different paths to the same two different to, to like similar jobs. Yeah. And that in itself is really, and that's exactly what the Canucks said they were going to do. What Jim Rutherford said he wanted to do is bringing people from different walks of life who have gotten there in different ways and paid their dues in different sorts of ways. And that's they've done it. Like they totally have done that, and they might not even be done yet, which makes it even better. Like, yes, yeah, like it's one of the, and again, it's one of those things where like there's no, no, there's no rule that says you have to be like, okay, we've hired these jobs now, we don't have to hire anyone else. <laughs> we're no- done now we're uh, we are done it is closed uh all applications can go in the garbage like no <laughs> they can just they can literally if they want to if they have the income to just keep hiring more and more people like sure just Co- flesh many... that
1: shit out hell yeah. yeah
0: yeah like sure too many cooks in the kitchen can be an issue but like at the same time like from a realistic standpoint like yeah there's no rule that says how many they can or cannot have uh running things and like it working and working in some capacity there. And I think that the way the Canucks are going and the fact that they don't even seem to necessarily have every single person in the office that they want there yet makes it all the better that it could really improve and improve the way that they make all their decisions. And that's kind of the big thing here is that um whatever the Canucks do here, like Patrick Alvin is yet to have to make a, a move yet. He hasn't had to do anything serious yet and Mm -hmm. i think that in itself is interesting like it'll be interesting to see what the first deal is like what the first big decision the organization makes uh with this new this new look regime here and what like what it can kind of tell us about how they're going to be running things going down the line because that first impression matters a lot
1: yeah like obviously i'm sure they're aware of it like uh, we'll we'll get into this uh quite shortly here but obviously optics is a very big deal for this management group and the ownership group moving forward they need to do a lot of damage like repairing with the uh, fan base because obviously the last regime wore out their welcome uh eight years was too long to accomplish so little and so they are very cognizant that the moves they are making are to set the team up long-term for to be faith or to have faith in the organization, the directions they're going to take. So that first trade or that first signing or whatever they do, it, it need like, I mean, no pressure, but it does need to kind of be a home run and prove that like the, the hires that they made, all of these people they've acquired for their head office, like that's all well and good. But if at the end of the day, the first move they make is like, you know, Resigning JT Miller to an eight-year, sixty-four million-dollar contract—it's going to be like, oh, well, this—that's not encouraging. That does not make me think that we've learned anything from the last eight years, right? Yeah. So, obviously, like, there's a lot of pressure on them to make the right decision with their first move, and like, it isn't really fair to Jim Rutherford, where it's just like, like, it's not—it's not his fault that the last eight years were so bad but his first move is very much going to be like an indicator of whether that legacy of failure continues or if it starts fresh and to have to make that on the backs of what do you do with JT Miller? Like that's that, that almost like sucks for him. Right. Cause I feel like you're either going to lose the trade just optically because you're getting rid of such a stud player for you, or you're going to lose it because the return isn't viewed as good enough or you're going to just straight up lose it because people just love JT Miller and they don't care if they would have lost him for free in free agency. Right. Like you're just like, you're not going to win regardless. And uh, you know, that kind of sucks for Jimmy, but I have faith now that they've got someone like Cami Granato on their head office staff. Who's obviously got like, got the entire book on the Vancouver Canucks since that's who she was mostly scouting while living and working out of North van. Yeah. So, hopefully they have the book kind of read on this team. They've kind of indicated as such in their limited availabilities that they don't believe this team has enough speed. They don't think it's skilled enough. They don't like they had, they know there's a lot of issues with the cap situation, the contracts on the defense. So they know there's a plenty of work to do. And I, I'm sure they're probably of the mindset like, yeah, we don't really want to trade JT Miller. Like ideally we'd want to, Completely trade out everyone from the defense except for Quinn Hughes.
0: Yeah. And start Ideally, from scratch. you trade out all the bad players, but you keep the good ones. But yes. the, like that's very that's much easy. an easier. Yeah. That's what that's what this is all about. It's like that's yeah. what. But that's obviously. As that's know, That's easier said than done.
1: And it's very difficult to do when you don't really have picks or prospects at your disposal, because as we've talked about many times, the prospect pool has practically nothing in it they don't even have their second round pick for this year. Like it's, it's pretty dire in terms of having things at your disposal to help move away from the contracts that would make improving this team like easier to do. Like yeah. they're kind of looking at like, basically like how do we get out of OEL? How do we get out of Hammonick? How do yeah. we get out of Pullman? Like there's it's a incredible. laundry list of fixes they got to make yeah. that will sh- shape how the fan base is receptive to all of these head office moves and uh that's a lot of pressure under them because i mean a a ninth or ninth year where they are not making playoffs is rough yeah but at least if because it's a brand new managerial staff they kind of got like some wiggle room here and next year to to make the moves to try and improve the team for the long term
0: yeah, they get plenty of runway to make a, to make good to make good decisions and to fix yeah. things. Like it's maybe not eight there. years. Yeah, not eight years. No, hopefully <laughs> not. Hopefully not. Like, hopefully, if they're like, as I hope with any organization management decision going forward, if it's been eight years, it's been too long, and they still are as bad as they are, it's been too long. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Like they'll be given plenty of runway by everybody to be like, well, like even into next year, where it's like, oh god, like the players might not, which is key. But like everyone else outside will be like, well, you know, give them time because man, they can they came into a mangled mess. I mean, you already have Jim Rutherford out here making a very key, making very key changes, like uh, obviously, very clearly, hands on deciding it's time for a team dog. That's very important. That- that
1: is so awesome. I I think I tweeted. Too. Like it is so great that like one of the first team decisions or like non like roster based decisions he had was we need a team puppy. That he is he might so have had funny. zero
0: to do with it, but like we're yeah. gonna retribute it we're to gonna him assume, anyway.
1: We're gonna definitely assume that because it seems like I mean the, an executive would have to sign off mm-hmm. on the team getting a team puppy. And since he's the new executive, it's fair to assume that Jim Rutherford was like, you know what helps with morale, puppies. So we're gonna get the team a dog. Uh, I love that. That's so great. Uh, I'm a big fan. If, yeah. I, I hope he it. just comes out and says, yeah, this is my idea. I love dogs.
0: I mean, yeah. For all, I think Jim Rutherford's a dog guy. I think he. I think he, has he not said before that he has dogs? Uh, I feel like that's. I feel like that's maybe. A I can hear see name, him.
1: You hear a name like Rutherford, and you're like, "Yeah, that guy's got
0: that." Dogs. Does he does strike me as a dog person? Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't look at sure. Jim Rutherford and be like, "Oh, this guy likes cats." Like, no, there's there's not a he's not a <laughs> cat person from my from what I can tell about Jim Rutherford. Like, you can tell you can tell which people are more about the cats than they are about dogs. Like, there's a there's for a sure. clear difference there. That uh, you or I mean, in your case, you have both. You're getting both.
1: I'm getting both, which is going to be very
0: stressful and exhausting and tiring. But yeah. I'm very you, you have little uh, little Murphy. Is that his name?
1: His full name is Murph Mellow. Like, adorable. Like Marshmallow, but with Murphy at the front of it. And, that's uh, that's but, adorable. But Murphy, Murph Mellow
0: didn't fit on the tag. So his name is just
1: going to have to be Murphy when I introduce him to people. But yeah. He, his,
0: his, 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 uh, now, how does his godfather, Dan Murphy, feel about... Uh, feel about?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I'm just going to like...
0: i'm gonna message him one day and just be like you're the godfather by the way i mean we know he's a golden he's a golden retriever uh fan he's got peach he's got peaches and peaches. uh i always forget the other dog's name which is pretty they they have two they have two lovely puppies uh we we just know that we just know the name of peaches because peaches is the one that like eats everything or something yeah. that, that's you always that's think great. i remember i love how many pictures of peaches he sends it's uh, yeah. he puts on twitter it's wonderful yeah. um now it, it could also be a cat now for the canuck standpoint it could always be a, a what is it a cat or a snake is Team that a snake
1: the... would be pretty oh, God. funny it would be I gross
0: can... but it would be weird like all i can think of is like quinn is like uh the the oh god the team snake ate quinn hughes hey there's a (laughs) rabbit in here why here comes lumpy the team snake all the players are just yeah the biggest comical outlines on the the body is it just slithers by (laughs) all oh god it's like oh god it ate all the players again like, <laughs> <laughs>
1: we lost our th- our seventh d-man again no, no.
0: on uh, yeah like which which canuck which canuck goes on ir for a snake bite first <laughs> like that's uh that's that's exactly how that's gonna go uh don't get a snake don't uh, get,
1: don't do snakes snakes are that.
0: creepy i'm get- yeah i'm not a fan of snakes
1: yeah i like the clarissa's idea of the team goldfish
0: me too i was laughing about that earlier i just
1: like thinking of like all the dumb animals that you could get you know that are just like like super weird
0: they they're like like after like halfway through the like halfway like the through the season they're like hey wait this goldfish looks really our goldie looks different this time it's like it turns out like bruce boudreau like they kept it kept dying so bruce boudreau kept having to go quickly grab another (laughs) fish from petco and then drive quickly put it back before any of the players notice like he's oh it went (laughs) to a farm upstate we all (laughs) drains lead to the ocean kids he just needed to go uh to don't worry about it guys he'll be back in a bit yeah, he's he's on vacation. Like you just wait up to, to go something heaven. Something very funny about grown ass hockey players just doing like the just whole, completely like completely oh, unaware of like oh,
1: do- of dog heavens or like dog yeah. or uh,
0: pet lifespans. Or, or like realizing like in real time like about something that happened during their childhood <laughs> where they're like they're like oh like of course they go to the farm. That's what happened to my Oh. oh rufus no like they like <laughs> realize like they have like that that crisis from their so, child yeah but,
1: they're like texting their mom and dad like you lied to me
0: yeah mm-hmm. they're yeah uh, there's something very funny about that optic i i think that i think but i think team dog is a much better choice at the end of the day it's a much I agree, uh, much comfier bet at the end of, uh i think uh, for what you want are we jumping right. into nhl news now or do we have... yeah let's uh let's uh round out our show here with some uh because i do what... have some hockey news. I do have, I do have one thing, one breaking news thing slightly to add into the show. Uh, Yes. This is from, uh, this is, uh, this is a tweet from Adrian Dater at a Dater. He is the, uh, he is the guy uh, for, he's the, uh, I believe the editor in chief of uh, the uh, Colorado hockey now. Uh, mm-hmm. also known as the guy who asked that very interesting question to Nathan McKinnon at the end of the playoffs last year, like just, yep. we're we going to just do it. I need just to just do it. Uh, but he, uh, when so you gonna just say, fuck it and just do it. Yeah, exactly. Now keep that in mind. As I tell you this, this is important though. <laughs> so it's important if it's, if like definite, if on the level here, if this is good, accurate information, uh, I'm told that Claude Giroux has made it known to Flyers GM, Chuck Fletcher, that Colorado is where he wants to go. If somehow that doesn't work out, Minnesota or St. Louis would be acceptable alternatives. So that is... Minnesota, hey. I mean, like, hey, like I said before, Minnesota is in a spot where they're pretty, like, they're pretty good. Like, the the uh, Parise-Suter buyouts definitely throw a weird wrench into things here and there. But that definitely far- screws
1: up their long-term outlook, at least. But... Yeah. Yeah, but at least in the media, see, it's kind of like they're competitive with Kaprizov. So long yeah. as they have him, right?
0: Yeah, like who do you like? If you're like if you're Giroux, obviously, yes, Colorado is a good spot, like perfect, yeah. like that's a great place to go right now. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you're on like your last year of a of a of a deal, right? Um, yeah, Minnesota's in there as well. Like I think Colorado, it's more likely that he signs long term right away, whereas with Minnesota, I could see it kind of eking out into the off season,
1: mm-hmm. like.
0: I mean, if it's down to one of like that, like, I don't see St. Louis being a really great option for Giroux for what he wants. Like, they're doing okay. Like, they're, I believe, what, top three in the Central? Like, it cl- seems pretty clear he wants to go to a Central Division team, I guess, for some reason, which is an interesting, like, caveat. Better,
1: better time to watch TV, I guess.
0: I guess. I, I guess. But, um, like, yeah, like the – and, like, you look at the Blues, right? Like, they're still kind of on – Excuse me. The outside looking in a little bit because they're they're in a wild card spot right now. Um, mm-hmm. um, and I would say that like if you're Giroux, I think your best bet is yeah, it's probably like I honestly think like Minnesota might be the most interesting option there for you if you're close Giroux. I think so too, especially, but unless he's like, it
1: depends if he's looking for like a short term. Like I just want to finish the year somewhere and have a chance at a cup, and then I'll resign elsewhere. Because I
0: don't think I don't think Minnesota, St. Louis, I don't think any of those teams. I don't I don't think any of those teams could really facilitate could guaranteeably facilitate your long-term deal. Now yeah. I I I I wonder in Minnesota's case in particular, if that might be the most interesting option worth exploring is like is giving him the big re-up contract and then figuring out later what you do about the rest of the lineup because I feel like there's enough there that you could still kind of be competitive, whereas like I think the biggest reason why Colorado is the one that I'd be worried about if I'm Giroux is that the goaltending situation is still a little bit wonky there. Mm-hmm. Like I see Minnesota as a team that can, in a way, almost I feel they're more built for a play a long playoff run at the current moment, just based on the fact that they have guaranteeably strong goaltending and Cam Talbot and Kakinen than right. the other two options there. Like, I mean, Billy Huso has been incredible for the Blues. Yeah,
1: he's been, uh, I mean, he's been saving them from,
0: <laughs> from
1: Jordan Bennington just being, yeah. you know. From Jordan, Jordan Bennington, Bennington being
0: nervous, yes. Um, <laughs> And Colorado, and then, yeah, like, Colorado, I think, is a team that can go, like, they can clearly play um, and win a lot of games in spite of their goaltending being mm-hmm. as strong as it could be um but that's not to say like darcy kemper is good when he's healthy like they've won nine of their last 10 they're doing pretty crit- they haven't well, they haven't lost a game in regulation in their last 10 which is wild um they uh they might be like either of those teams i think minnesota colorado being a good spot for Giroux. like that would yeah. imagine that though like watch out for whichever team picks yeah. them up and it's right?
1: like oh fuck that team is a juggernaut if, the, yeah. if they weren't already right yeah if like, colorado
0: somehow made it work like made the cash work like it's just like jeez <laughs> if Joe, like god if Joe, like give joe sack an execu- executive of the year if he somehow manages to get claude Giroux and not give up like even like i a, a really premier asset like on it. your blue what does that like start it? with i guess i mean it would probably have to be kerfoot
1: maybe right and then no he's a leaf you can't give him kerfoot or sorry not kerfoot what am I, the fuck All right, I think again? you're thinking um, of sam gerard i think that's no your no then. it's it's the uh it's
0: not kill new hook yeah okay new so maybe there you go. Like New Hook, maybe that might be like, yeah, it's gotta be somebody good. You can't give up Bowen Byram. I believe he's dealing with some sort of issue here, uh, right now. Like uh But you uh, could I t- you could flip him
1: though, because you might be like, Look, we're we're gonna stick with
0: you know, Sam Gerard,
1: we're gonna stick with our current decor. Bowen Byram's gonna be fighting for those minutes and at, uh, at his peak, he might not like you know go further than
0: second pair, right? Like you might I be mean- like well, so uh, so here's the thing with the bow with bow and Byram in particular. Like, so he's not like he's not literally. He's currently not with the Avalanche. He is currently, yeah, I believe, like at, at home, right? uh, Dealing with some some sort of issue. We're not going to speculate on what it is because it could be anything. Um, they, they said it's his. It's a concussion issue. Is it not? Oh, they did, like, oh they did. Oh, they He's like say had was...
1: like migraine issues or whatever ever oh, since Jesus, like a hit or something awful. like that. Yeah. Like,
0: he has had an injury, like, a concussion history, not just, like, even going back to his time uh, with the Vancouver mm-hmm. Giants um, as well. I would be, I'll say this, like, from a just uh, knowing, like, kind of how those trades turn out, I would be very concerned about sending Bowen Byram to the Flyers in particular. Like, I think the pressure on him to be amazing would be, especially going <laughs> for Drew. Like, I, I think it'd be not, like, it'd a It'd be unfair true. to him because it would be, yeah. like, everyone would be expecting
1: him to, to be some elite talent that justifies a Claude Giroux trade when it's like you're you're not really when you're trading Claude Giroux as a like as an expiring UFA you're basically doing it to recoup anything before you lose them for nothing so it's like that's not on the players getting you're getting in return to yeah to meet expectations like it kind of is but it's like it's really not on them to replace a franchise star
0: okay yeah the yeah exactly it's like yeah and then you add in the fact that he's already dealing with like migraine issues and stuff like Jesus like the amount of stress the kid's already under at 20 years old like do, yeah don't no I don't want him for for Bo and Byron's sake I don't want him going to Philly uh Alex Newhook might be a better option in that regard mm-hmm. um but yeah it's gonna be a it's gonna be a hefty price to pay but they're like either i i don't know what minnesota has to go up there like it might be matt boldy like it might be mark like a um, or a marco rossi to get him right like that's yeah kind of what it's got to take for i for either team it's going to take a like a, a very asset. very
1: quality
0: number one prospect basically
1: yeah. and for for minnesota sake too like i understand why the appeal to get a claude Giroux, but like when you just hired judd bracket to be your uh you director of scouting, you don't want to be like, oh, we're trading everything that makes you valuable to our organization. We're trading all that away at a Including time where the our cap is going to get
0: even squeezed even tighter. Yeah, yeah. like That's that'd really be a, weird. but yeah, like that'll be a very interesting. Like I, I didn't realize how intense the closure market was going to be until the All Star Weekend when it kept coming up. Like, mm-hmm. but God, yeah, like that seems, it, it might be one of those deals that gets done a lot faster than we're like, bef- way before uh, the, well, the trade deadline,
1: the totally deal might've been like the straw that breaks, you know, the camel's back might like be the, uh, the floodgates opening where people are like, okay, we need, like the bar has been set for cost. We need to start trading now before the cost gets raised even further as the deadline approaches. They like, some teams might be looking at JT Miller as okay, we need to make our deals now before JT Miller gets traded because whatever that bar or whatever that return is, we're going to have to match it if we do want a Claude Giroux or some other kind of star return, right? Like Yeah. Like,
0: Claude Giroux tells you, well, whatever he goes for will tell you exactly what JT Miller can go for to a certain extent. Like, yeah. Giroux obviously does not have is a pending UFA, so it's a little different. But depending on what he gets for a guy that is, like, most likely going to end up being an absolute, just pure rental case. Like that's whatever that cost is going to be. If that comes in before the Miller trade, suddenly that really helped that even more helps the Canucks on how much uh, JT Miller is worth considering he's got term on top of things.
1: Yeah. Um, other NHL news, everybody's favorite, our favorite personally player of the year. Let's give a little shout out here. For our boy, Dwayne Steinel, who gets to watch Jake I- or Jack Eichel make his <laughs> Vegas Golden Knights debut on Wednesday.
0: Oh God! Yep, <laughs> this is a thing that we have to talk about now. Like, like remember when we talked about earlier? The Canucks need to be, build up as much ground as they can before the the Knights get Jack Eichel back. Yep. That didn't it, work. That did. <laughs> that never it, happened. It worked to an extent. It just it was a lot to ask even at the beginning. Like that's kind yes. of what ended up there. Um. God. Uh Yeah, like, first of all, like, let's start before we get into the part where we get mad at the Golden Knights and the NHL's general incompetence. You can't get mad Icon. at the
1: Knights. You can't get mad at the Knights. They're going by the system. That's, you're right. Surrounded by it's the you're NHL's right. fault for you're being right. as fucking dumb as they are for punishing teams retroactively like the Canucks. And by like the Canucks, I mean only the Canucks, because no one else has faced any fucking punishment. Shea Weber retired, literally retired because of injuries. But because but no, they keep he's testing him LTIR. with doctors, he's on LTIR and not a retiree. Even though every single person on the planet, including Patrick Johnson, has record- reported that all of his yeah, friends and dumb. family are just calling him retired. It's just purely out of like the system at hand where he flies to Montreal to do a checkup to see if he's eligible to play, even though he's never going to suit up again. It's a joke. He should be incurring a massive, massive recapture penalty for Montreal and Nashville right now, but they can't because of their stupid rules that allow crap like this to get exposed and loopholes to be created. It's so embarrassing. It's I, yes. I can't fault the Vegas Golden Knights or Tampa for you I know, mean, doing it. It sucks to watch because it's like there's like teams like the Canucks that just got screwed for crap
0: that is completely out of their control. From that's like decades ago. Like that's lame. Ridiculous. And it wasn't even a, like, God, it's so frustrating because it's like like, again, it's a case of the NHL literally went out of their way to punish the Canucks over a contract that, again, was perfectly fucking legal when they signed it, there was nothing wrong with that contract yeah. when they signed it. And the NHL is like, because you found a loophole in our stupid CBA, we're gonna punish you it later on for it because we know about it. Like this. Yeah, re- you like, made like,
1: us look stupid, so we like, are going to punish yeah. you for it.
0: Yeah, like, and like at the end of the day, like even with Shea Weber, it's like they shouldn't have to even do any of this. He should be able to just say, "I'm retired," yeah, exactly. and that should be it. Like and it seems in, like
1: he did, but like the, to, the Habs can't have afford
0: the, a $7 million recapture penalty. And more importantly, the Predators can't afford the $7 million. $15 million? Higher. Dollars, it's like I, insane, yeah. Yeah, it's way higher for Nashville, I think, than Montreal. Actually, sorry. Let me reiterate. It's actually
1: not that high because they retroact... So this is where I say only the Canucks face uh, punishment for this because they retroactively change the rule that the recapture penalty could not exceed the final cap hit of that contract so from nashville and montreal they were facing something like 12 million plus each as a recapture penalty if he retired in the final two years of his deal or the final year of his deal and they fixed it so that if there was a recapture penalty it could not exceed his recapture of or his Oh, cap it of right. nine they million or whatever the it is, and the game of bread out.
0: Yeah, and the Canucks are like, nope, too bad. They do this all the time. Like the god, the uh, I know, like it just feel like the like the league just doesn't give a crap. Well, about the Canucks sometimes. at the same time
1: too. I mean, as annoying as it is, and look, we don't know what happened in these discussions, but. The league addressed how they were going to retroactively change the rules on these recapture penalties, and the Canucks were completely aware and could have put their foot down and been like, this is horse shit. And as far as so, we know, it yeah, didn't happen. They said, yeah, they could have very good
0: and didn't do anything about it. They could have very easily like Gary Bettman, like the Aquilini's are Gary Bettman's boss. Like, the, like they could a hundred percent be like, yeah, no, we're not going to pay this. Like, yeah. get out of here, but, get out of here. Like, but clearly,
1: clearly someone in Canucks management didn't do their due d- diligence on what kind of impact a recapture penalty would be. If a 39 year old rubber little Luongo would retire early which they and, should and, have seen coming,
0: and now and now Luongo's made out partially to be like a villain of some kind because he retired. It's like no, it's not his fault. He signed a great. He it's totally not his fault and that it, he wanted to retire and do something else. Like and it's not like either. It's no
1: one's fault it's, but the leagues. It's, yeah, the league. It's, it's just no, a petty like the league grievance. Could have
0: done it. Like the league could have very easily been like that. You know, this is this is pointless. We don't need to do this. We're just yeah. doing it because we can't. We're doing it just to be a jerk about it. Like yeah. they didn't have to. And then you come into like the Jack Eichel thing where literally like teams are circumventing the salary cap pretty clearly and blatantly. Yeah. Now Mark
1: Stone, Mark Stone at the All-Star game one week, the next week, he's got a degenerative back issue that needs a surgery. Does it need surgery? Could, Is that I don't, I don't think it does, but it's just like, oh, he has a back issue that he can't uh he needs to recover from. He's on LTIR. Conveniently I mean, the exact same cap hit that they need to activate Eichel. It's I, just so transparently obvious, like, even if he did have, like, a back injury, it's just, like, okay, the timing could it be more convenient for the Vegas Golden Knights oh.
0: to allow this to happen. Like, it's just beyond, like, okay. So here's, like, yeah, the, uh, here's the thing, right? Like, I think with, with um, Mark Stone in particular, like, the, I think the reason this one gets me a little bit more upset, even than, like, the Lightning one, where, like, with Kucherov and everything. Is Kucherov did have surgery like he clearly and was he, injured at he like clearly was
1: injured in the playoffs. I think we talked about this a bunch of times too. like his knee was not healthy in any way, no. shape or form. There was that one slash he took where it, he got grazed and he went down like he was shot it happened and it again fake. in the it regular season. Yeah. Yeah. It was so clearly like he rushed himself back to be there for playoffs, was probably injecting God knows what to like neutralize the pain. Still wasn't enough because he was barely touched and he would go down on that knee. Happened again in the regular season. So like as much as we like gripe about Tampa Bay circumventing the cap, like that one seemed pretty fucking legit because he looked yeah. seriously injured with that yeah. knee. You the Mark Stone thing. Surgery. Yeah. Yeah. The Mark Stone thing. Like, to me, that's just like, this like, one. My back hurts, so I'm going to go on LTI. Like, yeah. This is like bullshit.
0: This 100% smells to me of like a thing of like, if there's a rule, if there's a way in the NHL rule book for another team to be like, hi, I call BS on this and I want to, <laughs> I'm going to, I, 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 immediately i'm demanding a physical to see if he's game ready like if there's a way to do that a team should 100 percent call the knights bluff on it because oh, yeah. like again here's the thing like if he had been playing and there was some clear like signs of oh he's injured he's sl- he's definitely not playing at 100 percent. they put him on ltr i'd still be like this is kind of this is kind of frustrating but i'd not enough for me to like but i it's a it, there's a clear loophole and there it's not their uh, job to ignore it right if they yeah. want to exploit it go ahead um but the fact that he literally played in the damn all-star game last week <laughs> yeah it's just like, like yeah, players on. will take we have seen multiple players take willingly take a one game suspension from yeah. the league just to not just to play in the play. all-star game and you're telling me that mark stone guy who literally just ha- played in an all-star game is somehow magically too injured to play for the rest of the year get the hell out of here he's not injured like there's no or if and if he is what a convenient yes. like what a conveniently time i can't yeah i thing. can't believe it
1: happened just as eichel was ready to come back what like, are the odds
0: what are the odds they didn't have to trade anybody after like <laughs> probably having to trade half the team to probably keep him now they face a situation on, where and face as long as as long as they make the playoffs suddenly mark stone is magically going to be healthy for game 1 of the first round and they're going to get to use all of them which is beyond stupid like it's so ridiculous that that's like a a fa- like a system that the nhl has said yeah we see no problem with this whatsoever
1: like well, come on don't. They don't really give a shit that one of their franchises is going to be playing in front of 3,000 fans in Arizona State University, so, like, they clearly don't give a fuck.
0: God, like, they, they're checked out on the most random things. Like, they're just, like... They 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 pay, like, the most minor attention to, like, some random things, but then as soon as, like... Oh, God, as soon as somebody uh, suggests, hey, the NHL might have a problem with its culture and racism, suddenly they're <laughs> yeah. like, hey, now, you stop this right now and stop accusing... Like, it's... Do this, like, God, it is ridiculous what this league goes through. I did want to uh quickly uh shout out a great article by a former uh Canucks executive himself, uh, Chris Gear, who wrote an article talking about the issues with this system and like why it's like it's time for the NHL to reconsider the way the exception on LTIR of salary cap works because of the way teams are doing this. Because, again, like, there is no As far as I know, the NHL does not run like a, okay, you have to pass this very strict, this very, like, strict physical, and if you pass it, if you pass it and are cleared good enough to play, you don't get that, you don't get uh put on LTIR, right? Like, you cannot be put on LTIR. It doesn't seem like there's, it seems like a team can just say, a guy's on LTIR, and that's kind of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because, like... That's and like, as long as the doctors say, Yeah, he's too injured to play, it's like, what are you gonna do? Right? And the, the, the doctor calling, are calling the, the doctors
1: who are paid by the teams and have a vested interest in getting paid by that team to do what's in their best interests,
0: yeah. Hence the
1: Toradol issue in the league at this present moment, or painkiller yeah. uh, addiction and prescription it problems,
0: yeah. And like, anyway. and obviously, if Mark Stone had an issue with it, right? Like, as he could very easily be like. Yeah, I'm not injured. Like he could very easily yeah, like he just
1: be like, "I'm yeah. ready to play." Which I mean, yeah. hey, we could always use some spicy drama. So it'd be great if uh, Alan Walsh tweeted out being like, "Mark Stone is fine. He's not my client, but he's fine. This is ridiculous." You know, yeah. just just for the sake of
0: yeah, it is. It is. Um, it's it's really it's it's such a it's such a flawed system mm-hmm. that this is built in here. Like he uh, and he's talking about how it's like you know the issues with why this needs to be a problem and it's not a coincidence that this is happening like after year after year now suddenly where it went from this never happened before to teams regularly exploiting it it for their own it's obviously
1: it's also obviously come up because of the covid pandemic the flat cap it left a lot of teams with not the flexibility they were hoping they would have with a steadily increasing salary cap Right. It's just kind of the way it's going to be, but it obviously looks worse year after year when it's these mega deals where it's everyone getting play- paid $10 million is conveniently the guy that goes on LTI at the perfect opportune moment when a yeah. team needs it. So yeah. It's a little shady. It, it's whatever. very,
0: it's very shady. The one thing that I did also see brought up that could easily fix this or like fix part of it is the idea of the NHL. If the NHL just went from a hard cap, system to a soft cap system with a luxury tax they could mm. easily not have to do this like deal with this they so could, what uh, so all the yeah.
1: overages could go pay for the arizona coyotes new arena the,
0: yes there you go exactly <laughs> like here's the like in the yeah for anyone who doesn't know uh like uh a lot about like how salary cap the salary cap structures work essentially a hard cap is what the nhl is now where it's very much this okay this is the ceiling you cannot pass it you get some exemptions for injuries what yada 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 But this is the hard line that you cannot pass a soft cap system with a luxury tax, which is what the NBA uses, is, oh, is a system where teams are allowed to exceed that cap number by as much as they want. But the caveat of that is that they have to pay a certain percentage, uh, whatever percentage they are over, they uh, whatever number they are over, they have to pay a certain percentage of that back to the league as like as like revenue as a shared revenue kind of thing. So mm-hmm. it incentivizes, say, like richer teams, like um, say in this case, like a Vegas or the lightning to pay the same amount, be able to keep all the players that they currently have. But then they also have to pay, I think that say either that same amount or like part of it to the NHL as a, as a tax for going over the, ta- the cap limit. So they still get their great shot at a cup, but it comes at the cost of spending way more money than they were anticipating and yeah. then then it actually costs. But that buoy that lifts up all the teams at the bottom who are not spending as much and can help them potentially make a little b- make more on revenue. So it helps everybody in that regard. Um, and that's kind of the system that the NHL, sh- I think, should be at. I don't know what you think, but I would be like that would be such like that would solve so many of the issues of what the of what loopholes are being exploited at the NHL level these days.
1: It it would. It just runs the risk of you having bottom feeder teams, like say like the Arizona Coyotes, who even with that system still refuse to spend the money because there's nothing holding them against just spending to the cap floor, and still reaping the benefits of players paying the or teams paying the luxury tax, so they can still split their HRR revenue right. Yeah. Like they're they could still is- like be like we're fine still being shit and getting paid by other teams for committing to be good.
0: That's true, but at like some point, like I mean, the reason the Coyotes are in this mess at all, right? For example, if we're gonna use, like if we want to use the Coyotes as an example, is because nobody's paying tickets money to see them play. Like the reason why they're now running to a three thousand seat arena is because they couldn't afford to pay their taxes on the arena they already had, and now they're getting stuck at well, a college arena. Let's be like, real,
1: they could pay for them, but it's a billionaire cheapskate who
0: refused to pay them. It's completely yeah, different. They ha- he had the money, he just that doesn't is- want to do it. That is true. And then, but also like, I do think you should, we should also still throw in the fact of like the way the team was managed for a long time. They weren't a good enough hockey team to bring, put butts in the seats for a long time. Like mm-hmm. even when they were actively competing for the playoffs year after year, they very clearly were not good enough to ever get a sellout crowd going again. And yeah. that in itself is the problem. Like if the coyotes were selling games out with rel- with regularity and were a winning hockey team, I think mm-hmm. you would see them spend to the cap. The problem is they're just never ran properly, so they always lose, and so yeah. they never bring back that money back in. I think, if, at the end of the day, I think I think having this the luxury tax in there would incentivize teams to play to play to spend more because of the idea of like, oh, if we do want to win, if we want to win a Stanley Cup, which at some point has to be kind of your at least somewhat your mo, or to at least turn a profit has to be your mo. Well, so like you're like, well, we better actually try and put a winning like a winning uh, a winning team on the ice and spend as close as we can to the big boys. Yeah,
1: in theory, but again, some owners just do not give a fuck. They just want to spend and or not spend. They want to sell off everything they've got, mooch and leech off of whatever asset they own until it's completely valueless and then sell it off to some idiot willing to buy it from them. That's yeah. just like the way things go. It's coyotes like okay. god that is where let's, they're at now yeah just a bit um all right let's uh quickly wrap up here because there's some other stuff that we want to quickly get into but it is valentine's day and i can't be uh neglecting my wife for this long so that's true last thing here dave tippet fired finally well i mean okay i shouldn't say finally because i don't think it's his fault that uh, yeah uh uh whatever the fuck his name is uh uh, whatever the Vander gm King. oh no uh, the ken gm holland. ken holland whatever ken holland never getting a uh, goalie uh taking 25 million dollars in cap space last summer not upgrading the goaltender, but instead spending it on fucking duncan keith uh an extension for ryan nugent hopkins uh god uh what's the zach, forward they got zach hyman which, which like-
0: worked out like that one's actually kind of done okay for them Sure, but it didn't address any of the it's problems they had amazing. from last
1: year. It's like, a, like they just spent it so inefficiently. And, of course, Dave Tippett couldn't do it because he had a team of pre-Madonnas who want to play a certain way. Connor McDavid is now on to his fifth coach. Ryan Nugent Hopkins is on his
0: eighth in 10 years really or 11 I years. I feel like, not in a bad for poor Nuge. Like,
1: I, I don't geez. at all, frankly. Like, I mean... Well, he didn't it, have to resign. That's a that's, that's, not, that's the thing I come back to. Like, you can't true. ever be like, oh, it's it's Connor McDavid's. Like, I feel bad for him. It's like, no, dude. If you knew everything we know about the Edmonton Oilers executive staff, the owner, the ownership group, and your decision is, I'm going to sign a 10 million fucking dollar contract for 10 years with this group, that's on you, dude. Brian Dugger, Nugent- yeah, a little bit, like. I'm like, hell no. There's no way I'm going to ever feel bad for some idiot signing to that ownership group and them because, not doing it. Like that's on you. Like, sorry, if you're not, I mean, if you're not yeah. doing it, he, that's he, your
0: fault. I I will say like, he's had many opportunities to say uh, he wants out. Exactly. And let the Oilers facilitate a trade to get him out, to get him out. And, and he didn't. He's he hasn't. completely like, content making
1: millions of seems- dollars to not do well which is yeah, like he, hey if that's your priority you want to get the band for you. absolutely for you. go for it but there's no fucking way I'm ever going to feel bad for you for being stuck on a dumpster fire like the Edmonton Oilers there's no God. way
0: yeah like the Oilers are like they're like and then like the fact that they're like you know what will make this better is if we sign a Vander Kane <laughs> let's bring yeah, in noted do it. locker ro- let's bring in noted locker room calmer downer uh <laughs> Vander Kane and, and hope that makes things better and, and again, surprise, it
1: hasn't. And again, it doesn't even address the issue with the team. The, the team, the team's problem wasn't we need more scoring for our second line. Our issue is we can't have a fucking goalie stop a puck, yeah. because they're terrible.
0: Did you see the story the other day? Um, like this, I believe this would have been the last game of Dave Tippett's uh, Oilers tenure. Um, apparently uh Koskinen was supposed to start that game uh because uh, Mike Smith had played the day before done terribly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh Mike Smith said I want to start again like insisted on starting again and Dave Tippett was just like sure okay and then okay. let him let him in sure enough Mike Smith lets in a goal in the first two shots <laughs> like, on oh, yeah. pants- to both the first two shows. fantastic like that's geez. a like, that's a, that's a boss move worse? like how oh, could yeah. that have Like, for, like, I mean, talk, you want to, like, the coach, I mean. Talk about making your bed, hey? Like, checked out, like, he's checked out. Like, the whole team's checked out. Yeah, my
1: GM's not going to get me a goalie, so I, like, whatever. It's lose-lose. I'm already on the chopping block at this point. A goaltender isn't going to save me at this point. They're not trading for one, so fuck it.
0: Yeah, I don't necessarily think he was doing a great job to begin with, but also, no, like, but like, what can he do? <laughs>
1: it's the Travis Green thing, right? Like, he's doing what he can with what he's been given, and at the end of the day, like, if you stick by your guns and say, like, you know, in Travis Green's case, like, you know, Tyler Myers is my guy, he's going to play 28 minutes, or Travis Hammonick's a guy I want re-signed for the next two years because he's going to be the difference maker. It's kind of on you, too. Like, yeah. doesn't he didn't, like, help the situation either like same with Dave Tippett, like he didn't help it by not just sticking to his guns and being like no I'm gonna play the the fresh goalie yeah uh instead of the 30 or the 47 year old Mike Smith in a back to back like that that's a very yeah. simple decision to, to make go. as a coach like yeah, yes
0: just... you've lost the room at that point like yes yeah, yeah. look. But anyway. not all coaches can be Bruce Budrow that's a very hard the Bruce yeah. Budrows don't grow on trees uh, but, yeah, the Oilers are in a lot of trouble. Like, I mean, there, I don't think – any. like, I feel bad for the coach coming in, like uh, Jay, Woodcroft, Jay Woodcroft, who you've seen a little bit at with the Bakersfield Condors. Like, there's only I, so much you can do.
1: Like, it, I wouldn't even want to. Like, if I'm a coach, I just, like, I don't want to come to that. I would have been, like, my stipulation if I was Jay Woodcroft, who's like, yeah, I'll take the head coaching job if you trade for a goalie that doesn't suck ass. Yeah, like like, like a is it like it's his first game, he's
0: starting Stuart Skinner because he can't trust either guy. Like is that right? Is that right? Did he start Stuart Skinner in his first bro. game? Hell for yeah. Sure. Good for him. Like going and make it that's the smart call. That's the right call to make. Uh yeah. God, like they're in a lot of trouble. Like, yeah, the Oilers are not are We've said it before. They're a fragile hockey team. Like there's uh, the men- mentally, I should say, they're a very fragile hockey team in that regard. Where they, when the going gets tough, they hide under the table a little bit, mm-hmm. and it's causing them a lot of issues. They're not like Montreal, for example, who just hired, fired Dominic Descharmes, uh, in a situation where they were, like, look, they're clearly not good. They're not clearly not a good hockey team. They're clearly built with with the they flaw were, being they were the opposite. They, they're they're built the opposite of. Uh, they had great goaltending and they relied too much on it. And then they yeah. realized what happened when they lost the goaltender to injury. And you and I are on the same page. Like,
1: even when Dominique Ducharme was hired and the team was going on their run in the playoffs, neither of you or I ever believed that Dominique Ducharme was the reason why. No. Uh, we were always on the board of like, this is great for Alex Burrows. We like Burrows, but. Um, neither we've always been like Dominic Ducharme's like such an overrated coach. I don't think he does anything differently than anyone else in the league. He's no. just a guy there was some decision uh player personnel decisions like scratching Alexander Romanov in like the Toronto series
0: and some other moves where you just kind of like Got Kenny Ami yeah, there was, like, the, well, like, I think it came out, like, when he signed his extension, I forget who it was, somebody put, like, the statistics of, hey, after Claude Julian left and had them playing this and this and this, he brought all of their stats down, even though they yeah. made the playoffs, they got worse when Ducharme, when they yeah. fired Julian and brought in Ducharme, and then they still gave him an extension.
1: Just like, completely buoyed by elite goaltending, basically. The, yeah just completely and then,
0: benefit benefiting off
1: of carrie price finally being carrie price at 37 years old or whatever yeah. however old he is i
0: think he's only like i think this I is think he's like he's 33 he's or 34 he's or relatively something. young like he's still got a lot of if he's and he's got a lot on his contract still yeah so. yeah and, and like what was also really telling and i remember we talked about this on the show at the time is so if for anyone who doesn't remember um uh Dominic Desharm tested positive for COVID during the Western Conference Finals or the Conference Finals against the Knights and Mm -hmm. missed, I believe, uh, the last, I think, missed the last three or three or four games. He might have even missed the whole series except for game one. I feel like he did. Something like that. He missed the entire series except for game one and maybe the first game against Tampa, something like that. And I will never forget watching the Canadians play and being like, oh my God, they are so much better with Luke Richardson behind the bench. Like they were clearly playing way better. It was, Mm. I've never seen a more obvious like night and day difference between a, between two coaches in my life before where it was so blatantly obvious that oh, the guy who is currently not here right now is holding the team, the group he has back, if anything. And sure enough, this year, like, it got, like, yeah, look, there wasn't a lot they could do to save the sinking ship that they're on. It's been a disastrous year, but I cannot imagine that Dominic Ducharme was helping in any way, shape, or form with that. Yeah, and now they bring in Marty St.
1: Louis, who has never coached at a professional level, but is obviously highly regarded by all of his peers, all of his former coaches as well hold uh his hockey mind in high regard. Hasn't really worked out so far. He is 0 and 2 as a coach of the
0: <laughs> of the Montreal Canadiens. So, not a great look, but I mean yeah, it's one of those things so like you and I talked about it. I was like, uh, you know, it is real really really weird that they're bringing in a guy like as Marty Saint-Louis like no knocks against how great a hockey player he was. He was fantastic. And he was always one of the hardest working players in the mm-hmm. NHL calves for days, as people remember as well. Like that guy, like the guy worked. And is a very well liked uh, player in the locker room and all the locker rooms he played in. Um, and, and, but like, there's always the part of like, it's really weird that he has literally no coaching experience and they're bringing him in. But at the same time, you look at what the Canadians are right now and you're like, I don't see how he could do much worse. Like, I don't see how, like, honestly this, yeah, you might as well just go for a guy with no experience and let him go for it at the NHL level, because like clearly the team's not winning games anyway. Like Mm -hmm. there's no rush for you to be suddenly amazing down the stretch here. You might as well just "Ah, give him a shot. Let's see how it goes. Like there's really no, there's no reason to like, be like worry, like to like uh to worry about oh god our coach needs to be the best coach ever to get the most assignments like we're going nowhere fast we might as well just throw throw it out throw some crap at the wall and see if it sticks right oh for sure if this is clearly
1: just uh well we've got nothing else so yeah. we might as well just try whatever trying whatever hasn't really worked so far for Marty St. Louis, but he's got what else was going to the rest of the season. It doesn't matter. They don't have a goalie. They need to blow up their team basically. And it started with Tyler Foley and it will go on from there. Otherwise I have been Cody Sievertson. You can follow me on Twitter at Cody Sievertson and my website, ahlnoxharvest.com. Uh, abbotsford plays this wednesday and then that'll probably be my last recap for maybe a week and a half maybe two depending on how training a new dog goes uh but i will have stats updates hopefully tomorrow night and then again sometime down the road lachlan where can you where can the fine folks find your work sir
0: You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Lock in the Crease. You can also find my writing work at CanucksArmy.com. I write there pretty frequently. I wrote the uh, game day recap for the, or the game day uh, preview for the, before the Leafs game as well. Uh, And uh, yeah, I write there pretty often. Uh, Make sure to go check out our uh our crease cast patreon for one dollar five dollar tiers. uh we do uh we uh post some bonus content including the pacific the uh, pacific division power rankings which i will say i'm late on right now because i totally spaced on it but i'm going to do those today uh because i forgot i'm gonna get those done and we'll have another week of those so you'll have another week of those we do those every every sunday they're supposed to go up uh but yeah we're going to I'm going to keep doing those and um uh, what else is there go check out our uh, uh all our socials uh on at the creasecast on Twitter and Instagram uh make sure you subscribe to our uh YouTube channel and uh as well as our uh, um what else am I missing here R- write a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify oh yeah give
1: leave us a review we only got one from Chris Faber and it's it's looking a little lonely on there on this on the, Absolutely uh, on the Apple chart, so we need a bit more yeah. Until next time, folks, though, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye, guys. Bye.